0: what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome welcome to another wonderful episode of the no gray areas podcast with myself lewis and myself denny and uh today is another one of our uh, skype slash long distance slash social technological
1: distancing. whatever social distancing podcasting
0: this um, is it stay safe stay home And uh, you you got a new bit of kit then talk talk to me about Uh, this what is this thing you're
1: using so we got this new piece of kit it's by Rode who are a uh, professional a professional um, sound equipment maker so we're using one of their decks it's the Rodecaster Pro Um, we only get the Pro shit Um, and it's basically like it just makes podcasting so much easier. You've got like your full equalize, equalizing yeah. deck and everything on there. You've got controls with it in different inputs. You can hook the phone up to it, an additional USB, you can record, you yeah. can do loads of sound effects, all of that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Okay. I won't, I won't uh, use the sound effects yet. you got like clapping and all the other stuff that, all built oh. in, yeah. So you know, you might get a clap if you say something smart.
0: Well, I'm laughed.
1: definitely
0: not going to get a clap then, bro. <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, what have you been doing during your time on lockdown? Um, so,
1: work hasn't stopped or slowed. Um, as I mentioned before, like, my work can be done 100% from, from home. Um, in fact, it's been really busy. This week's been really busy. I actually had to put a 24-hour, like, an all-nighter to get some work done. Um and next week's gonna be busy um that's about it really i've started uh getting into a bit of a workout routine yeah. doing like a bit of a 5k trying to get in shape 5k every other day um Damn. yeah so by the time uh this this uh covid quarantine's over i'm gonna be in shape that's the plan anyway that's the plan it's beautiful bro
0: What that's about what you? like to hear obviously i've been uh, i've been giving away some of my some of my equipment okay so so for those listening denny came around to my house the other day and uh he, he just wanted to see like if i had some spare gear he could grab this he's, motherfucker was like trying to not come in my house trying to not walk through trying <laughs> to just like keep his distance as if i had fucking you ebola
1: now i'm playing
0: i'm playing i'm good yeah, I fucking hope so. But yeah, so you got you got that nice little dumbbell. How's that dumbbell sorting you out? Yeah, it's good. All it's right.
1: good. Yeah, yeah. The uh sixteen K kettlebell's good as well. So I'm I'm mm. trying to do basically the five K run and then on the on the day, as I said it every other day, and on the days in between, doing like a weights mm. and uh um press ups, like basically mainly body weight, but also using that kettlebell.
0: Nice, nice. Mm. I've um I've become a bit conscious recently, right? So Whenever I start back on like weight training, I've got quite. I'm I'm quite fortunate to have good genetics. My chest gets really defined really quickly. Mm. Um, so whenever I work out chest, like my chest gets looks decent. Um, and I've been doing these online classes, and I find that especially if I'm wearing my uniform, I lean forward to like talk to people down the camera, uh-huh. and I can just see this like cleavage line, and it distracts <laughs> me. I'm like, what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm like this is not appropriate for kids, man. No, I no. need to like find some different angle to stand at. Um, but yeah, the only other thing I've been doing other than training, losing a bit of weight, gaining a bit of muscle, is home haircut son. I'm gonna we'll show you this. Obviously for you guys listening, um you you're not gonna be able to see fortunately, but this is the this is the home job that I did. You see that then <laughs> that's a nice line, you know.
1: Yeah. I can see,
0: yeah. It's not bad, isn't it? That's not bad at all. But you know what? If you see the back of my hair, you'll be like, oh, oh, okay. A blind man attacked you <laughs> with a razor. <laughs> um, but no, man, it's, it, it took a while, but okay. we, we made it.
2: <clears throat> so yeah, I can.
0: The, the thing is, when you try and do something like that, you come to appreciate the like high level of skill that people have in jobs that you would otherwise take for granted. Yeah, definitely.
1: I've tried to cut my hair yeah. a few times. I've totally given up yeah even
0: um like when i first started washing my car i was like this is piss you can wash your own car no problem and then you'd finish washing it and be like oh look there's a cap there where i've just not touched it yeah yeah it's kind of standard yeah but yeah so you're not doing
1: you're not doing the um the what's it what's that challenge everyone's doing where they're shaving their heads off
0: Fuck that brother i have a i have a large i have like a one inch square bald patch on the back of my head from where i was born a oh, little shit. birthmark thing hell no i'm not revealing that <laughs> normally if, if i get a haircut and it's like a little bit short and you can see the scar, my students especially the lung, the younger ones they're like coach what happened to your head what is that? You've got this big thing there. Oh, my God, it's gross. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not going to walk around with that sticking out. Hell no.
1: Well, you're in quarantine, isn't it? No one's going to see it.
0: Bro, I'm not fully in quarantine because the, the center that I help run, they, um, uh, they rent out to the blood bank. Right, yeah, yeah. And the blood bank are—they're actually calling up and, and making more bookings. I
1: was going to say the, I've been—I've been seeing a few people donating blood. How is it working? Like, how are they keeping quarantine, like the distance and all of that while they're doing this?
0: So, what they were doing at the place where I'm at is the majority of people were turning up by car.
2: Right.
0: And and they would just like when they arrived, there'd be someone there to say, "Right, you just sit in your car until we call you through." Okay. And that way, they're. Well, the thing is, it seems a little bit silly because obviously, when you go to give blood, someone has to stick a needle in your arm, right? Yeah. So they're, they're coming in close proximity with you. And then, let's say if you had it and you infected them, they will mm. infect every other person that they see that day. Mm. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're doing that the safest way. The thing is, though, ultimately, we still need people donating blood. Yeah there are there are still people getting sick and dying of things other than coronavirus yeah, I think
1: that's the thing everyone forgets isn't it like every other illness has kind of been put on hold like yeah
0: like,
1: like HIV's like oh shit no you know what I, 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 I'll I let you you do your thing COVID I'm gonna go take a break somewhere yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's he's, weird, this, it's he's killing everyone <clears throat> but um but yeah, obviously, there's a, We'll get into it on another rep, on on our next episode about the the conspiracies and stuff yeah, about yeah. that. Um. But yeah, so f- for today, uh, I wanted to to talk about money.
1: Okay. Just before we do that, I think we just Go need on. to say because I think at the end of the last podcast, I did announce that this one would be one where we'll allow everyone to kind of like just log in, log in and out at their leisure and 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 chime in. But we're obviously not doing that. Part of the reason is because we've had quite a few requests to talk about finance. And second reason is the next episode. This is episode 49. The next episode is 50. That's like an anniversary thing. So we might as well do something special and invite as many guests on as possible. So I thought that would be pretty cool as well. for For the 50th one.
0: Fair enough Um, Also there's uh, We we are also full of shit So you know Don't take anything That we say seriously Oh mate Um,
1: I really want to Wind some people up If we do conspiracies Next time If I can get Certain people on Like I want to do A good mix of Facts And trolling (laughs) Okay Because some Uh, of it Is just too ridiculous To be able to take seriously
0: (laughs) I I can imagine I can imagine Um, I'm just trying to see If I can get my Bloody obviously apple everything's supposed to be interconnected i've got you on my macbook
2: um
0: oh do i have all my notes so i've i've made i've made a lot of notes for today's episode <clears throat> i also messaged a few people who had actually asked me previously people that listen to the podcast that had asked me um to they, they listened to the episode that we did previously with lamin oh, yeah. where we spoke about we spoke about money a little bit on that episode. Yeah well, sure. quite a lot on that episode actually. But this is this is gonna be a kind of a very detailed breakdown of everything you really need to know about money. Mm-hmm. Um to remind people of my background. Um so I was actually working in B and Q selling kitchens um when I got offered the opportunity to go for an interview with Lloyd's Banking Group. And it, and it was just predominantly based on the fact that I had a good sales record. That was pretty much it. Um,
1: Second-hand cars offered
0: the job. Hmm? Second-hand cars. <laughs> no, no, not quite. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, so they they offered me the job. Uh, but before uh, I could obviously go into this uh, world of like selling people investments and sorting out pensions and savings all this stuff like holistic financial planning um, i had to get trained on what to actually what to actually know because i knew fuck all about money uh, if i'm being honest uh, when i first started working in banking i had like i think about 300 quid to my name uh, and i had a loan and a credit card and i had like no history ever of saving um, grew up in a council house where no one else saved money either. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a big thing. In fact, I actually, before I left the company, I just had a look at how much money they spent during my time training, and it was like I think it was seventy or eighty grand. Um, wow. So it's that's a, a good amount of money that they invested in me. Yeah, uh, misplaced investment as well because I was only there three years. <laughs>
1: can Um, i can can i just add something quickly with what you just mentioned with regards to um growing up in a a council house so similar situation for myself and i think this is a really important thing just to emphasize um if your parents don't save or aren't financially savvy chances are their kids ain't gonna grandkids are gonna and it's it's a repeating pattern um, one of the things I'm really kind of passionate about and hopefully we can kind of get across in this episode and people, if people can take it on, is sort of breaking that um, that chain basically. And it's sometimes, sometimes like, you might not do something as a parent, but you can still get your child to or put your child in, pos- in a position to like, I don't play the piano. But I can make sure I can get my daughter piano lessons if I can afford it. Obviously, people can afford things. But um, I couldn't swim, so I made sure, this is with a personal one, I made sure my daughter um, done swimming lessons from a very, very very young age. And obviously, some of those things cost money, but with access to the internet, um, you can get a lot of financial things, like particularly with people being at home right now, um, and some people homeschooling their kids, add finance into maths. Um, because it it, it helps um, it helps it's a huge huge benefit. Like a lot of the information, the stuff we're talking about, like Lewis has just said, um, as you've just said. So I'm kind of talking to you audience right now. Um, he got that at working age. He got that he got that knowledge at working age. He just said he hadn't saved. If he had that at a much younger age, he would have already been saving. Not necessarily to say he would have the knowledge that he got in the banking industry, but he still would have been a bit more financially savvy. Exactly the same thing for me, like some of the probably late 20s, late 30s, and a lot of it, in fact, from yourself, from from when you were working um, in finance and you just saying a few things to me and me sort of building on on that. But if it's one of those things, like if you can get that into your kids from a younger age and just start getting them to even basic finance, um, it's a huge, huge benefit. And just before I finish this little rant, Um, as an example and this is a good one you can do um, with kids for maths if you look up the rule of 72 um, it's a it 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 will take about five minutes it's not the most straightforward but it's not complicated Um, and it's basically a kind of average a kind of roundabout way to work out how long um, it takes to get a full return on your investment and it includes the compound it's something i can't even remember the calculation off the top of my head but it's quite a straightforward one um and you can get your kids to to learn that and then straight away it's just one of those things as soon as they have got it they walk into a bank they walk into any sort of situation someone says something they can work out the compound interest straight away they can work out the um how long it's going to take for them to get 100 percent back of any investment put in so just saying good opportunity at the moment we're teaching our kids at home we're homeschooling we're doing maths whack a bit of finance in there it's still all numbers at the end of the day and um yeah give them that advantage
0: yeah i think um i think there's a there's a, almost like a, a cultural thing where we don't want to tell our kids how much things cost in our own home okay
2: yeah um, yeah
1: it's true
0: like My, my parents, they, they would say, oh, you can't have that. I can't afford it. But they would never say, okay, listen, this is how much I earn. These are our outgoings. Now tell me how you think I can afford to buy you that thing that you want. If they'd have said that to me when I was a kid, like even at the age of like, let's say 10, 11, 12, it's, that's basic maths, right? Yeah. You, you start off with 1,500 quid. All your outgoings, this is what you got left. Okay, how are we going to pay for this? If my parents did that to me, number one, I would I would have a, a decent foundation point to start with for like, okay, this is how you budget.
2: Yeah. And
0: number two, I would have been a lot more understanding when my parents said to me, no, you can't have that. Because when they say, no, I can't afford it. A kid hears that and it's like, oh, you just give me an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. 100%. But if you say, okay, tell me how we can afford it, then then you're like put in a position where you have to act like exercise your mind. Um. And even like try and try and think away, so you could be like, okay, well, I, I want to get that still. Maybe I can I can do some housework, and you know you can afford to pay me this much each month. Maybe in two or three months I can do it, and that way we're good. Yeah. And your parents may very well well do that. Um, yeah, I think hopefully as as we go through this episode, if you um, if you you're listening and you find any of this stuff interesting, which hopefully you will, um, just do do as a favour, guys copy the link, post it on your social media, let other people know. Cause the other thing as well is that like working in banking, a lot of the clients that I saw would be hesitant to invest because everyone knows someone who's got a sob story about investing. People that do well out of investing generally are a bit more keen to keep it to themselves because they don't want to sound like arrogant assholes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times when people talk about, oh, I made this much money in the stock market, you sound like a bit of a dick. Um, so so people don't te- generally talk about it so much. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if if you hopefully you'll, you'll get something out of this and hopefully you'll share it and we can we can educate the world together. Um, so yeah, so if I if we just start off with like, you know, what is, what is money? Like, what do we use it for? Obviously. If, if, if you go back to the, the dawn of time, there was no money. Um, and we all, we all just kind of bartered. Um, and when you have like a really small community, barter trade is just fine. Like you you can just swap stuff as and when you need it, especially if you're actually growing things, because what you need is very limited. Um, but in in the current modern world, bartering still happens, but it's very, very rare. Um, you'll get people, let's say like... Um, people that are like quite high up in the car industry and stuff like that, they're, they're dealing with like exotic cars. They might trade cars, for example, um, and maybe like a little bit of cash or some parts or this, that, the other thing. Um, funnily enough, I was actually just watching, uh, something on Netflix called car masters. Uh, and these guys, they, they trade up cars all the time and you don't think about it, but that's barter trade generally. Um, and that is just, that's just how things used to always happen. Um, obviously the more people you get the more complex your needs are the less viable it is to use you know swapping as a as a means of conveyance so obviously you you need an an intermediary and when money was first invented um obviously well the first thing was gold and, and and we we traded through through gold um but then as the need for for gold kind of dissipated we then converted to to paper money um and initially it wasn't like the kind of uh, pound notes and stuff that we get now it was promissory notes and in fact if you look on currency that's printed now it still says i promise to pay the bearer the sum of five pounds ten pounds whatever it is um and th- and that's like a, a promise that you could go to a bank and withdraw xyz or you could go to another location and just trade that up so money just became like an intermediary in the bar trade it's just um, a a fixed almost like a token you could say Um, the the thing with it though is that it's its value is not fixed a lot of people think like i've got a pound therefore i've i've got a pound that's and that's how much it's always worth but something is only worth what you can get with it. So Yeah. If if you think back to when you were a kid then, like how much how much pocket money did you used to get when you were a kid?
1: Oh, my pocket money was intermittent. It weren't even like to do with whether I was a good boy or not. It was just how my <laughs> mum was feeling on that day. <laughs> what she <laughs> put down the back of the sofa. Yeah, I used to kind of ask. <laughs> Like the, the concept of pocket money was was strange to me. I didn't even know that was a thing until I got into like secondary school. And then, you know, like you start getting asked to go to cinema and they would be like, yeah, I'll get my pocket money on this day. We could go on this day. And I was like, what, you get given money every week? Um, but no, I used to kind of had a, had a more of a kind of relationship where I would ask my mum and if she had it, she would give it to me. If, if she didn't, I'd steal it out of her purse.
0: Okay, nice. <laughs> Standard stuff. Okay. <laughs> so so my, my thing was like, let's say like what maybe like once a month when we're a kid, maybe once every two weeks if if we're lucky, we'd get a pound. Yeah. And I remember me and my sisters, we used to like get in a pound, you were lit, yeah. you're like, Oh my oh, yeah. god, we've got a pound, right? We're going straight down to the shops. This yeah. is gonna be so sick. Right. So we'd head down to the shops. And you'd buy, like, a can of fizzy drink, like, a chocolate bar and, like, some, some pick-and-mix sweets or, or some chewing gum or something. Yeah,
1: pick-and-mix with
0: but, a one. Yeah, but, like, you and all your mates swayed dirty hands on that pick-and-mix. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Oh, no, shit. No one was using tongues in the shop, bro. <laughs> Everyone just grubby hands in there. You'd be climbing oh. trees going down the shop.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? For everything that's going on right now and how 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 much people are washing their hands that just sounds doubly gross
0: <laughs> oh, and you know, back in my day bro, it wasn't an issue <laughs> Okay. Oh, but, um, gosh. But yeah and now but but again coming back to the point you know if you go if you go to a shop now can you buy a can of fizzy drink a chocolate bar and, and some chewing gum fuck no you can't so so the value of that pound has greatly diminished over time and that that is what inflation is right it's the the erosion of the value of your capital over time through external factors <clears throat> that's, a sound,
1: that's a sound bite right there
0: it's beautiful it's beautiful that's what i'm giving you i'm giving you sound bite <laughs> after sound <bite>, so <laughs> um so so yeah like i guess it seems we're kind of already on the, the inflation thing. Um, when we talk about savings, what you're talking about is putting your money somewhere so that it can grow in value to help fulfill an aspirational need in the future, whatever that thing is, right? You have to bear in mind, whatever it is that you're looking to spend that money on in the future, the cost of it is not going to be the same by the time you get there as it is now so
2: yeah
0: just just to keep it simple if you're if you're saving a hundred pound a month because you want a macbook for example like a decent macbook then in 24 months when you've got two and a half grand that might not be enough to buy the latest macbook anymore especially because obviously the price of things is continually going up anyway and although let's say today in 2020 that macbook is two and a half grand the new one when it comes out in 2 years will be the one that you want but it might be closer to 3 grand yeah the one that you the one that you wanted today is not the latest one anymore and that's not the one that you want anymore right so your aspiration will change um and that's what we're kind of looking to do with the savings is from that start point to when you actually achieve it you want the savings vehicle to make up for that shortfall in the in the increase of the cost right so if we if we start off with like the one that everyone does and that's bank accounts savings accounts now obviously we're, we're at a bit of a shitty time now uh, the bank of england just moved the base rate and i'll pause and explain what the base rate is for anyone that doesn't know what it is the bank of england lends money to The government, it lends money to high street banks and other large financial institutes. And the base rate is the rate of interest that the Bank of England charged to any of those places I just mentioned. Now, if the base rate is half a percent, that means that those financial institutes are paying half a percent. When we, let's say we take out a mortgage, a lot of times the interest rate that's calculated is the base rate plus whatever the bank wants to charge on top. Yeah. When we're talking about savings, our savings generally stick quite close to the base rate because banks don't want to pay out much more than they're having to pay anyway. They obviously want to keep their profits as as high as possible. So let's say a bank might give out an unsecured personal loan at 5%, and they've had to pay half a percent um to the bank of england then they're making four and a half percent right they could instead of taking money from the bank of england they could take money from your savings account which is what they do um but they might have to pay you one percent which means they're not they're not making quite as much profit on it but they're still making profit and then you're you're benefiting from it as well because you're getting one percent
2: yeah
0: and a lot of people are very comfortable with that because you'll see I started off with a hundred pounds and in a year's time, if I leave that hundred pounds there, I've got a hundred and one. So the value of my money has increased. However, if we look at inflation, we know, that the, the cost of things changes throughout the year. The issue is there is no, there is no such thing as an inflation rate for everyone. And the reason for that is the cost of everything goes up at different rates. So, the government will issue like an annual um, rate of inflation, but that is based on what they think people spend their money on, on average. But there's no such thing as an average person. Um, So even if we just take in this conversation now I'm having with Denny, Den, how much do you spend in a month on fuel? Well, um,
2: it
1: wouldn't be more than £100.
0: Okay. I spend a hundred pound a week. Yeah. So, so, so I'm spending four times as much on you as fuel on fuel. Therefore, my, my monthly increase in cost is going to be much more significant in terms of my overall expenditure than yours. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: That bit makes sense. Cool. Um, And because of that, obviously, like I said, everyone's rate of inflation is different. So when we're talking about saving money in a savings account, and getting one percent, what we're really talking about, let's say we just stick to the government's figure. Well, just to make it easy, let's say it's uh, let's say it's five percent, nice round figure, right? So your savings is giving you one percent. The rate of inflation is five percent. So what you're doing is you're losing four percent every year. Obviously, no one likes to think of it that way, but it's fucking true. There's there's no other way to cut it. That's what you're they lose.
1: They often call it like the real time value of your money. Indeed. So you're, yeah, so that, yeah, you're often here. Um, so that's basically what they mean when sometimes you will hear, um, uh, people, uh, earnings have decreased in real time. So basically if they, if you don't get an, uh, a, a, a pay rise, that's at least in line with inflation, you've, you what the money you earn is worth less than it was the previous year. Is that
0: correct? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, so that that's a inflation is a inflation is a motherfucker. Funnily enough, as I said, I've looked at my notes, and my note says inflation is a motherfucker.
1: (laughs) Just a quick one of the first things I do when I look at um, in investments, um, and this is one of the simplest things I I I generally tell people is. Like you said, the safer most common option is um, putting something in a savings account in the bank. Um, over the last, what, 10 years, interest rates have been historically low because of this corona thing. They were even, I think this is the lowest they've ever been, at 0.1%, I think. And, um, but the first thing I'd say, so that means your, save, your interest rates on your savings accounts are gonna be pretty shit. Um, so the first thing I always look at is what's my what's what what are the banks going to give me if I put my money there? And the first thing is right. First thing I want to do is beat the bank. So that's the first cool. thing I generally look for with a with any kind of investment. The second thing is that inflation, and as you said, that's taking it like that's being much more intricate. Um, and again, that's even something that I haven't necessarily thought about when you're just explaining the um, how everyone's. Uh, uh, what's the what's the term Everyone's rate of inflation yeah rate of inflation is different. Um, and I think is it is it is, is the bank is the sorry this sort of general is it 2% two percent or 2.5 percent a year the sort of general consensus that sort of average that you said the government
0: yeah it does vary uh, slightly but yeah
1: yeah so that's the second question I ask Right, any investment I make is it going to be um, the rate of inflation because then the value the, the in real time terms the value of my money, is um, going to be increasing, so they're they're kind of the first two things that I'm looking at, and the first two questions I'm asking um, whenever I'm looking, like putting my money somewhere, basically.
0: Uh, in fact, I'm just looking at some some figures. In 2018, the rate of inflation was 2.48. The rate of inflation in 2019 was 1.8. Okay. So, the rate of inflation is obviously dropping, which means you don't have to work quite as hard to, to beat the rate of inflation. However, um in, in times of financial difficulty, which we're heading into, uh what's basically gonna happen, especially as people's wages freeze and stuff like that, the rate of inflation is probably gonna go up. Um it's not gonna happen for a little while, but it it will happen. Um and that's something to be aware of, obviously. Um is that that is that's definitely gonna happen so in terms of uh, like where else to look at putting your money uh, the other thing you got to bear in mind is like what are you putting your money away for okay so there's when we talk about financial planning there's there's always there's always just three things to look at short-term medium-term long-term right yeah
2: yeah yeah
0: so so you've got your your short term, which is your emergency fund, and your planned spending over the next year or so. Yeah. So someone like Denny, who goes on fifty-seven holidays a year,
1: <laughs> fifty-four, <laughs> only one a week. They overexaggerate.
0: Um, like obviously, you you could sit and look and go, okay, I want to allocate this much towards my uh, holiday spending for this year, so I need that much sitting in an account, but also in an emergency like the one that we're in now, you should, and this is like a, a standard line for, for all financial services, they all recommend it, you should have at least three months worth of your monthly outgoings in a savings account ready for you to access whenever you need. Yeah. And if you think anyone listening to this, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are listening who right now do not have three months worth of their outgoings in savings. And if you've just especially if you're like self-employed maybe you don't qualify for government assistance or the company that you work for as much as the government's willing to help them out with furlough and whatever it is they might still not be able to be financially viable before the end of this and there you go you might be out of a job and not really Mm entitled to any benefits Um, having three months worth of your fixed outgoings means that you could take that burden off your employer Mm -hmm. off yourself and and not really have to worry about it um
1: Um, i was just going to add i think one of the things that a lot of people do or don't do should i say is have that three tier savings so a lot of people you can say yes i've got savings and then if the scenario like you just said happened they go into that they have to go into that one pot rather than sort of, that can be long-term, that can be for a wedding, that could be saving up for a mortgage. And I've also got this sort of other pot that is for immediate emergent, um, immediate emergencies. I remember I spoke to a financial advisor once, and what they said to me, um, and you give me your take on this after, was, um, uh, first, try and get like a sort of buffer of maybe like a grand. So that should be your sort of aim. And... Um, and for any, like, I guess uh, losing your job is quite a big deal, but for, so not, it's not necessary to cover that, but um, you know, like something happens to the car, your washing machine breaks down, like you've kind of got that immediate emergency button. For the average person, um, a grand or two should cover most things, most occurrences, the sort of common occurrences. Um, and once you've got that, you can then start sort of saving to longer term because one of the things I find particularly up with family and people I chat to about it is when they've got that pot as soon as something happens which inevitably you know there's always um unexpected things that happen they go back into that and then they feel like they're back at zero and they start saying talking about this cycle and they, they never can get to save or some 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 uh incident happens and it just knocks them back to to um their sort of starting point yeah um having that for me sort of creating that buffer and then once i got to that sort of grand that i was able to sort of save that almost like shoebox under the bed money and then almost in my head whether ultimately my money is is still one pool, but because i kind of separated it mentally and i kind of said right that's a sort of safety net and now you know like if if, if a family member says oh something happens i can take out of that without affecting my proper savings. And now I can start building my proper savings. And that almost never has to get touched until I've achieved what um, the, the aim of that savings was for, Like I've, I've got the right amount, and then I can spend it because I know I'm sort of safe. And it just and I think as well, for, for a lot of people, it is like when you think about, you know, putting putting money in something like in, in my bank account, I think this is one of the big fears people have as well. When it's in my bank account, I know I can access it at any point. Yeah. When I put it into maybe shares or something else, it's a bit more um I don't know, a bit more something else. Um excuse me. Um it how do I get it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It feels a little bit less out of my control.
0: Yeah. And and with that part. With that first part, that um, you know, emergency fund, quick. The fact that you need quick access means that you are going to sacrifice the potential for growth. That's okay. like standard. Yeah. You can't. You can't get an instant access savings account that pays you ten percent.
2: Yeah.
0: It just. Okay. It, it doesn't exist. It hasn't existed since like probably the bloody seventies or something. Um. Actually, no. Maybe in the nineties. Maybe early nineties. You could have got like high, high single digits. On interest rates, um so yeah, that's 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 your first part. I think the the guy who spoke. Obviously, everyone's everyone's financial position is different. Yeah. If you're if you're listening to this and you earn fifteen to twenty grand a year, then getting a thousand pounds spare to like sit in an account that you're not touching, it, that can be a challenge. Yeah. I've been. Yeah. That that can be hard, um but if you're on fifty grand a year. And you've got a load of nice new clothes and you're driving a nice car and you're living in a nice place, chill out a little bit, you know, put your feet on the brakes a little bit and check check yourself first. For for people like that, getting a getting a grand in savings is not hard at all. Um you just have to like modify your lifestyle a little bit for a couple of months.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, then you've got your your medium term goals, which might be i don't know maybe maybe you're looking to get married in a few years or maybe you're going to like thinking about having kids yeah yeah all that stuff that all costs money um and you want to make sure that w- whatever those things are those medium term objectives they're not going to interfere with your long term goals um but because you can afford to to put that money away and not need instant access to it because you've already taken care of that with your first pot you can then try to get a little bit more out of it. And that's where you can start looking at other options. I.e. if you're if you're like super crazy cautious, mm-hmm. then you can accept that you're probably still not gonna quite beat inflation, but maybe get a slightly better interest rate and put it into like a a fixed long term savings account or something like that. Or maybe even buy bonds. Um so like premium bonds are a, a big one that a lot of people forget about. Um because premium bonds they do like um almost like a, a lottery draw um, and you can actually like win money off premium bonds. Um, so you can do okay off them. Uh, and then, then you've got your long-term aspiration. And for a lot of people, their long-term aspiration is retirement. Yeah. And especially obviously, you know, if you're in your thirties plus, then your, your long-term would be retirement. right? So, so real quick, then you've got your phone.
1: I've got my phone.
0: Right, how, how old do you want to be when you retire? Get your calculator out.
1: Um, so shall we say, let's go for the retirement age. Let's just say 68.
0: Okay, so let's take 68 and then minus off that your current age.
1: Okay, um, and let's say minus
0: my current age, which is...
1: Um, okay. Yep, yeah, cool.
0: Okay, now, um, what I want you to do is think about how much money you want to have per year when you retire yeah so what you, what you'd like to pay yourself as a salary when you retire okay so i'm i'm going to use mine and i'll be open with my numbers right so let's say i'm i'm 68 as well um but i'm 34 right now which leaves me 34 years and i'd like to have 20 grand a year when i okay. retire which is a fairly modest income yeah um so uh, let's take that 20 right Now, assuming from 68, let's assume that I'd live until I'm 85, which is, that's that's reasonable, right? Okay. Like 85-year-olds are a dime a dozen these days. Um, so what do I say? 85 minus the 68. That's 17 years. 17 times 20 grand. That is
2: 340,000,
0: yeah? Okay. And now I've got 34 years to save that so i'm going to divide that three hundred forty thousand by 34 years which conveniently enough means i have to save exactly 10 grand a year wow okay which that's doable i could let's, let's just divide that in by months so divide that by 12 months that means i have to save 833 pounds per month yeah which is doable if i make some big changes in my life right yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's being being realistic it's not really that doable <laughs> for most people right yeah. it's, it's definitely not really that doable for me uh, where i am now financially the good news is the government will will help um let me just check what the current state pension is current state pension 146 because... pounds a week or something Can't remember. Uh, yeah 168. Okay. So 168 times 52. Oh, 168 times 52. So that's that there is uh, 8,736 pounds per year. Um, times,
1: what was it? Uh, you said mm, 85, didn't you?
0: Yeah, so I needed, hold on, hold on. Uh, sorry, 168. I'll do
1: some calculations as well. So what's that? Eighty-five minus sixty-eight.
0: I don't know what are we talk about. Where did so you, you get f- that? Seventh. So you yeah, need so that,
1: that. That. So
0: if you yeah, want yeah, so...
1: twenty grand a year, you basically yeah. have a shortfall yeah. of twelve grand without yeah. the government's help.
0: Exactly. So let me just get the exact figure. One sec. once One, second, one second. I don't want to. I don't to have too much dead space. But when people start saying numbers while I'm doing numbers, it fucks with me.
1: <laughs> need, need michael dapper on the case mate some quick maths
0: yeah you're you're much quicker than me uh let's just do that time
1: all right um... oh, i'll do some mc two plus two is four minus six that's equipment ma- I, I said that wrong didn't i what is it two plus two three plus three is six minus two that's four quick maths that's it okay yeah.
0: all right so Basically, instead of needing to save three hundred and forty thousand, I'd need to save three hundred and four, three hundred and six thousand. Sorry, three hundred and six thousand. Okay. Um, so if I go 306, three o six, one two three, divide that by uh, what do I say? Thirty four years. That's nine grand. Divide that by twelve months. So the good news is instead of having to save three uh, eight hundred and thirty three pounds every month, I only have to save seven hundred and fifty. Thank you very much, government. <laughs> and what about <laughs> that's still that's still not really achievable. Yeah.
1: What about the twenty percent that they add on on for what you contribute?
0: What does that there you go? So there's your next one, right? Yeah. Because it still reduces it you, a bit. You beat but me it's still, it's still quite <laughs> so, a lot. So, so let's instead of instead. Of, yeah, because you because you pay your. Yeah, because you get it on your your gross ending. So, just to just to, again to keep it simple, let's just take that seven fifty, and minus twenty percent off it because okay. I'm paying gross. That means I'm paying six hundred pounds a month. Yeah. Still which expensive, still a lot for a lot of people is a large chunk of their mortgage yeah. payment every month. So again, it's still not hugely. Yeah. Okay. But if, if you are saving that into a savings account or into a kind of very, very low, low risk pension, let's say you could save 400 pounds a month. You have no chance in hell of getting near that 600. So what's really going to happen is you're going to struggle to to live the lifestyle you want in your retirement years or you just have to work later obviously if you work for two more years that's 40 grand less that you need to save plus two more years of saving whatever it is you're viable to save right oh, okay and and just yeah. to, to give people some context when the government set up the like national pension scheme the average life expectancy was 60 to 65 Right and the, sorry, well, in in terms of like today's equivalent, because obviously it's, it's not yeah. even now. Um, but at the time, most people barely lived to the to to the age where where they would reach pension pensionable age. Yeah. Nowadays, the vast majority of people reach pensionable age. The system was not set up to achieve that, yeah. and this is why you need to have your own private pension. Now, when we're talking about private pensions, you, obviously there are there are benefits to putting your money into a normal pension fund, um, but other people set up other investments. Um, it might be a business, it might be a rental property, something like that that you can then use um, use that that asset to to fund your lifestyle in retirement. Anything that you're using to fund your lifestyle in retirement, that's your pension pot. For some people, it might be collecting bloody rare Pokemon cards and then selling them. Yeah. You know, or the the class, maybe the the classic bloody McDonald's toys that used to be given away in Happy Meals. Um, I know some of them are worth a fortune now, man. I was talking to someone about it the other day. Oh really? Um. So yeah. Yeah, man. Like those old school, you know, the old school like Ronald McDonald wind-up toys and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. That's it. Apparently they're they're worth dollar, but yeah. So um, so, so that's an exercise you can do at home to just think about you know how much realistically are you on track. Now you might already have a work pension, and obviously that you can take that into consideration. But generally speaking. The younger you are when you start planning for retirement, the easier it's going to be to retire. And as much as if you're listening to this and you're 20 or younger, you're thinking, fuck that. I ain't going to start saving for my retirement now. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of money. I'm not going to need it. Things are going to change. Nothing's going to change. You will still need to pay your bills after you stop working. The only thing is that the younger you are when you start saving – the cheaper it's going to be. And in fact, it's just, again, not quite pause, but just take a minute. If I needed to save 340000 but instead of having 34 years. Instead of having 34 years, if I have 44 years, then let's just take that, divide that by 44, and then divide that by 12. That's only 643. And that's before we take off all the other stuff.
1: No, t- um, just if you if you just put it from your mouth slightly, slightly.
0: I had, I had. Obviously, we'll just edit this bit out. Yeah. Um, where, where where does it need to be? Like here. That sounds good. This is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it's too close, it picks up too much breathing. If it's too far, I can't hear you properly.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'll yeah. try and hold it here. Yeah, I just have it outstretched. Good. Yeah. All right, so so I will resume in three, two, one. So instead of that initial starting point before we take off the uh, national pension scheme and the tax benefits, instead of starting off at 833, we start off at 643, which is almost the end point that we got at before. Yeah. Um. So obviously the younger you are, the better, and this goes back to the first point of like talking to our kids about this stuff, this is it. This is because it. if if you've known about this from like the age of 10, 12, when you get to 18, 19, it's already in the front of your mind, just put a little bit of money to one side, that is so much easier to do. Obviously, not many 18-year-olds are going to be putting bloody 640 quid a month to one side. I'm, I'm not expecting that to happen, but even if you can put a hundred pound a month to one side when you get your first job, when you're living at home with parents, that's easily doable. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so that's, um, that's the the first thing in terms of like, just think about uh, how you're going to plan, plan with your money. And then if we stick to like the, the even shorter term, monthly budgeting, or if you get paid weekly, weekly budgeting, perhaps that's what you need to do. Um, but just the, the structure that you employ to, to budget your monthly outgoings. A lot of people say that they budget monthly, but they actually don't do it. Um, I used to interview like five, six people a day, talk to them about their daily, weekly, monthly spending. Most of them actually didn't know what they were spending their money on. I'd ask them and then I'd have access to their bank accounts. So I would check their bank accounts and what they told me they were spending and what they were actually spending were vastly different um so if you think of uh most businesses for a business to operate effectively they have to do like a profit and loss spreadsheet and they have yeah. to work out what their overheads are you are a business you know business works for its like shareholders its owners you know you work for yourself you're going out paying your bill um doing your jobs that you can afford to pay your bills and keep yourself running just the same way a business needs to keep itself running so like sit down draw on on a sheet like write down what your average monthly income is maybe your income changes but take an average look at what your fixed outgoings are actually write it down Look at what you spend realistically. Look through your bank statement. Say, okay, how much am I actually spending on food? How much am I actually spending on socializing? How much gets spent at Costa? How much gets spent here, there, here, there? Okay, cool. Add that all up. Be as honest as you can. And then look at what you got left. Um, A lot of, like, I'll tell you this. I've convinced about 200 people to stop buying lunch out. Because when I sat down with them, and worked out okay you spend three pound at the morning in the morning when you go to Costa every day and then you spend nearly 10 pounds at lunchtime so let's just let's just keep it simple you're spending for for ease sake 10 pounds a day on your on your lunch slash eating out so that's 50 pound a week 200 pound a month two and a half grand a year you know yeah if you're if you're doing that with food from your house it's probably costing you 400 pound a year at a push yeah you, know, you can buy a decent flask make a cup of tea or coffee before you leave the house you could you could even do what danny did buy a nice coffee machine <laughs> right spend a couple of hundred quid yeah. you'll get your money back in the first year you do you do get it back so quickly so yeah. quickly you just got to make sure you still use it denny's has still got the foil on it. he's had it for three years
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do use mine i do use it okay I cool it cool, cool. I started experimenting actually
0: unlike your oven
1: <laughs> <laughs> that gets used a lot more now um i think it was oh, was it like a year
2: it was nearly a
0: year um so, it's about eight months so i didn't know time. Then yeah. he had his oven delivered and had like thought it was broken, but it's just one of those like funky ovens that you need to set it up properly. Um, so he asked me to like take a look at it, thinking that it was broken because I'm handy with this kind of stuff. I was like, "Yeah, no, worries, man. I'll find out what's wrong with it." And I just went and turned it on, and I was like, uh, <laughs> it's not, "There's nothing wrong with it, bro." <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, this is a little side story. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, obviously we've kind of done like planning. Uh, long-term planning and stuff like that. Um, But one thing that I want to kind of follow on from when it comes to monthly budgeting um, is when we think about, uh, like, when you're taking a job, uh, a lot of times we, we take jobs, we get pay rises, we get promotions. You know, you find a job that pays you an extra five, six grand a year. And that extra money disappears. Yeah. Because you know, oh, I'm earning this much now. So instead of getting these trainers, I get these trainers. Yeah. Instead of driving in this car, I drive that car. Instead of living in this house, I'm gonna buy that house. Yeah. Money does buy you happiness, but things do not make you happy. Not really. Yeah, yeah like yeah. you can live in a nicer house but there comes a point where you're still just coming home yeah exactly and that initial when you first move in that's happiness but once you get to that point where you're just coming home it, that house isn't bringing you happiness yeah um and making the monthly payment on that mortgage or the rent or whatever it is that's then going to bring you down so mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever you get in that initial like oh happy moment, it's often multiplied in the opposite direction at the back yeah. end.
1: I had this discussion with um, my partner recently. Actually, we were talking about mortgages and sort of what we could afford. And between the both of us, um, she says, um, and we, we I gave. A, we were just talking, and I sort of said, "Realistically, I don't want a house that costs more than this because I know that both of us, right now." afford that comfortably we're only going to increase so there should never be a bigger burden on Mm. us if we kind of set our budget now and then you know we don't think oh we've got a pay rise we need a bigger house we just say no at this level we're comfortable um and in terms of your dream home this kind of thing you know and we're looking it's like you're looking at something an example i gave her was let's say I got a more I we got a property, as I said, combined incomes and that and the mortgage was I don't know, three grand. Um in a worst case scenario, if something like this happens again in 20 years or forever in where it's a recession, the ups and downs in the economy that usually happen. Um and we can't afford three grand, that's a big amount. To try and get hold of that's a big amount to ask someone to borrow that's a big amount and if you can't do it for two months you're you're like six grand you're really really pushing it you're really struggling you're selling you're selling your car maybe potentially both do you know what i mean how that
0: how that yeah
1: (laughs) how that adds up um is is uh let's use a a buzzword of the moment Um, it starts stacking up exponentially Um, whereas if you've got something that's just much more affordable, as I said, kind of, let's, let's fix our, let's fix our standard of living at this. Everything else is a bonus. Like we don't need to spend and and then, you know, automatically increase our standard of living because we we've, we've got everything we need. Um, uh, let's say it's 1500 pounds, let's say it's 1200 pounds a month. Um, after, like, you've saved for a deposit and stuff, that's just so much more affordable. Like, worst case scenario, if both of us work in a McDonald's um, on minimum wage, we could afford that. Granted, we might not have a huge amount of excess, we might not have a nice, co- do you know what I mean? But at least we know if we had to go back to rock bottom and build our way up, we still have that roof over our head. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So that's we were we were having that conversation anyway, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I how i try and plan so i prefer to sort of front load so try and save up for that deposit to try and get the the monthly um the the monthly mortgage payments a a bit lower um rather than and even things like and again in some you know i don't want to sound insensitive to different people's circumstances um but even if even if you're able to 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 um Save up for uh, the mortgage. You're not getting a five percent mortgage, you get a ten percent mortgage, just so you get a slightly better rate. Um, and then you're not, you know, again, when that's on a monthly basis, you you end up you end up paying a bit less. Um, so one of the things with that is a lot of the first the first time mortgages, um, when you see them advertised, they do base it and give the rates based on um, the sort of lower um, deposit, don't they? Like a five percent deposit. And the rates do tend to be a lot higher, um, and they shout from the rooftops about them. And um, I'm sure they're pretty popular with people. But if you could um, wait another year, I'm not, again, I understand people's different circumstances and save up a bit more, you end up spending a lot less over in the long in the long run.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think an important thing to note as well is like when you when you talk about okay you know am i am i spending two grand or three grand a month or on on my mortgage it's like what you're doing with that excess money yeah um that you're having to spend so your your income minus your fixed and variable outgoings that figure that's left over is in like finance speak we call it your net disposable income your your ndi yeah um and uh Actually, one of your friends, who you'll know uh, when I explain, but I'm not—I'll not say his name, just in case. Obviously, he takes offence to me name dropping. Um, he uh, so he he buys like a lot of gadgets and stuff, um, but also like nice watches. I think he's got like a one or two Rolies, okay, um, and also got uh, like a, a Porsche. Okay, like this is like, these, like luxury little toys. And uh, it's funny enough, actually, like one of his friends was asking him, and I, I just kind of overheard, um, you know, oh, are, you, are you not worried like spending all this money on, you know, like luxury stuff? And he said, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not, because when I bought these things, I knew that they're like easily disposable. Um, right. If I, if I needed to, I could sell the, I could sell my Rolex. Like I'd, I'd get a buyer for it within a week or so, and I can release the money from that. And although. It's not an asset. Um, I'm getting some enjoyment out of it. So I'm not thinking of it as like a, a savings vehicle. It's just something that I can enjoy, but I can also I can also like liquefy it at any point. Yeah. Which it's not ideal, but it's a lot better than what other a lot of other people do, which is where like you buy fucking golf clubs or yeah, uh you know, if you, you might buy a nice watch, but it'll be like an Armani watch, which is never going to appreciate in value. Yeah. It's never going to hold its value. Yeah. And, and that gets on to like assets and liabilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, a lot of people don't understand really the difference between an asset and a liability. And the first thing that, that lets you know that is when you ask them, like, what do you have that's an asset? And the typical answer that they'll give you is my car my house and any other like luxury things that they've got knocking about. Yeah. The thing is an asset in like financial terms is something that is there to make you money. Right. Okay. An asset to, to, to me, an asset is like a pension, a savings plan, stocks and shares, you know, a business. Yeah. They're all assets. Things that you don't have to, you don't have to physically expend energy to to get money because that's a job. Yeah. Um, but but things that you can do to you know in, increase your your wealth, if you're buying, you know, okay, maybe you buy a Rolex for ten grand and you can still sell it for for ten grand in three years. Yeah. It's still not an asset, but it's not a liability either. Okay. That's, yeah. That's somewhere, the, that's somewhere in the gray zone that is, despite the the name of the podcast, will allow that one. <laughs> be a gray area for this um but you know if if you're if you're buying a car unless you're buying a really high-end car that you're not planning on driving and it's you know limited production numbers you're not going to get more money than you paid for on that car yeah Especially, especially if it's like your main car that you drive and it's the same thing for your house it's the same thing so even if you think of um like let's say uh, just for argument's sake you're looking at a house that's let's say you got to take out a 370 grand mortgage
2: yeah
0: and that mortgage is over 30 years at like two just under two and a half percent your mortgage will be about 1500 pounds a month okay so if you go 1500 pounds you times up by 12 You times that by 30, that's 540,000 pounds that you're paying back on a house that if you've got a 370 grand mortgage, you know, let's minus off that initial borrowing figure.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry. What did I say? 530, yeah? Yeah. Minus 370123. Quick maths, 160 grand on top of what the house is worth at the point of buying it. Now, it, it might be worth more than 540 when you come to sell it.
2: Yeah,
0: Most likely it will over that period of time. But there are there are many more other things that you can invest your money in. And also, we're not taking into account the fact that to live in that house, you're not only paying the mortgage, you're also paying the council tax and all your utilities yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so altogether, what you put into that house every month is going to be yeah. a lot more than that. Now, granted, it's a necessity, and yes, you can liquidate it, But when you liquidate it it's going to it's going to cost you something Mm -hmm. in terms of a change in your lifestyle
1: yeah this is this is um one thing i try to say to so many people like yes your house can make you money but your home your primary home to me should not be looked at as you you should you should try and keep that separate from your investments um and i think just reflecting what you said in terms of, with regards to the value and how much you end up paying with with the interest and stuff in the mortgage, and how much you you're 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 paying and on top of that, in terms of bills and other things you have to pay, um, I always I always just feel like yes, it, it it can be, like you said, you can liquidate it, but that for me having that sort of comfort, having that, and, and again, sort of building up um, a actual sort of savings and stuff i always like to think of my home is my home my my um and I, I i think what it is as well is like my home i want an emotional attachment to it my investments i don't i understand i can obviously the you know if you if you're smart if you listen if you take good advice it should be wise and especially over the period of 30 years you should end up with uh, a good return but you still have to be able to detach yourself like in in this current climate like my shares i mean i'll give the number i've probably lost lost about close to five grand um but that a lot of that was the interest i had earned so mostly what i've lost is the interest and i'm probably about 500 pound below what i've actually totally invested at the moment so i know i'm gonna get i i feel confident i'm gonna get that back no guarantee but i feel confident i'm gonna you know it's all good and i've actually been investing more because now a lot of those 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 things are are low cost i've actually been buying more shares, but that's that's a that's a slightly different story but at the same time every time i put money into that it's been right i can afford to 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 put 100 pound in and it's not going to affect me i can get on with my life it's not going to affect me at the end of the month so I've kind of detached myself from it. That's built up, that's built up, that's built up. However often I'm putting that, um, that 100 pounds in. So even now, every single time I look at it, even when it was 500, plus, five grand plus, it was just something to put a smile on my face. And don't get me wrong, it's a kick in the teeth that that's been wiped off because I physically see it. I can go in, I can see minus whatever over this short period of time. But it's not affecting my day to day. It's not affecting my house. I still have an affordable roof over my head. It's not affecting what I can give, um, like, you you know, um, just my, just my day to day and my lifestyle. It's kind of like the, the the attachment is, is gone. Like there's there's no emotional attachment to it. Do you see what I mean? There's no real emotional attachment. And that's my thing with my home. Like my home is my home. I, like, I want to be emotionally attached to it. I don't want to kind of see it as this investment that um, I'm treating in the same way almost because, and I, I kind of feel like as well to, like you said, you can, lique, you can liquid, uh, uh, the word you use, liquefy, liquidate, liquidate it. But doesn't that almost mean you're planning to move out? Yeah. That's the thing. So it's like, this is my home. This is where I could, I, I want to be somewhere I could potentially, Spend the rest of my life because I'm comfortable. I don't want to be in my head planning to move because I, it, I don't know. It doesn't it, it? just kind of has a slight detachment element to it, but I don't know.
0: Hmm. I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Apologise. Um. Yeah, I think uh, you're. It obviously. I, I share the same sentiment. Um. You do get people that are adamant, no, 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 my, my house is an asset. My house is an asset. Um, and, you know, that they're, they're kind of right, but, yeah, they're, they're very wrong. They're more wrong than they are right, unfortunately, um, especially when – here's a good example, right? Everyone says, everyone that I speak to about property, they always go, but the value of property always goes up. Okay, cool. Look at house prices now. Pick a house now that's on the market or, or pick 10 houses, right? Because maybe that one that you've picked gets sold. In six months' time, look back at those houses. The house prices in the UK in particular are going to fall by between 5 and 10% over the next six months to a year. That's standard. Okay. If anyone's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen, let's just put it into context. There's a lot of companies, even large companies, that are potentially going to go out of business. People are going to be losing their jobs. When people lose their jobs, they can't afford their mortgages. That's when repossessions happen. So now we have more houses on the market. Repossessions are sold at a lower price than houses that aren't repossessions because the bank are just keen to get their money back. They don't care about how much more they'll get back than their money because that money's coming back to the the, the person who took out the mortgage. So let's say you borrowed 100 grand off the bank uh, or, or you bought 100 grand property just to keep numbers simple, even though you're not buying much for a property for that. You put down a 10% deposit. So you borrowed 90 grand off the bank. If the bank, let's say you've, you've paid 10 grand off, so you've got 80 grand left on your mortgage. If the bank get 86 grand for that house, they'll be happy. They'll take their 80 grand. They'll give you the six.
1: Plus the so 10 grand got- that you've already paid as well.
0: Yeah. They still get to so you, cheap. Yes, yeah, so you've 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 lost four grand off your deposit and whatever all that money that you've paid over the last couple of years. And you're fucking homeless. Yeah. Um and then those houses that get sold below what you would call the the current market value, because they're getting sold cheaper, that brings down the average market value. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: you know, if you're if you're looking at two houses side by side, one of them's gonna go at auction through um uh the mortgage company the or the the bank and the other one's going to get sold by a a private person who's looking to maybe upgrade one person is trying to get as much money as they can and the other person's got a a line and once they've crossed it they're happy so you're going to get that house for cheaper which is going to fuck over the next door neighbor who's trying to sell his house um so so yeah the the property thing it's it's not as safe as everyone thinks and, and funnily enough actually I was talking to someone recently about shares um and I got them to download the the Hargreaves Lansdowne app yeah which is uh, you use H&L as well that's, right that's what i use yeah so, so this is not a plug for H&L, but it kind of is as well because their app is very easy to use it's easy to fund yeah i was tra- i was using the Halifax um platform before just from when i was working with Lloyds the Halifax one is terrible. The login process is long and convoluted and it's just a pain in the backside. Whereas with this, it just, you can log in with face ID. You can get current prices and buy and sell release really easily. Um, and they're, they're quite open about their, their charges and fees and stuff. Um, God, that, that shame, shameless penniless plug just caused me to lose my chain of thought as well. <laughs> uh, were, where, where was I going from? Bloody hell.
1: Um, what we're we talking about
0: yeah, da, 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 da. Oh, shares. We're kind of just getting on to, to shares because yeah. we're talking, about, um, investing and stuff and, and what you're actually getting back. Yeah, um, can, I just um, say, can I just quickly say
1: as well? Um, the thing with, and it's just you, this was kind of you did kind of say this, but it's just to reiterate this particular point with your home if you've got a mortgage. Let's say the value is going to go up. You can get halfway through that mortgage. If you hit rock bottom, and that house gets repossessed, you've lost everything. Like you don't. Like you just said, they don't give you back the money you have put in, even though chances are they're going to get a good majority of the the, the price value. So even even you know when people say even that's a risk element to it. Whereas yes shares the value of shares can go up and down but once i've paid i paid like i don't have to worry about paying again next month and paying again next month and you know
0: yeah and, and that's sorry that's where i was going with the property thing even when you're even when you're looking at it as an investment um this person who i was speaking to um that i got to download the hnl app um, i just got them to buy uh shares a few weeks back in bp okay well the share price of bp has fallen through the floor recently um and they just put in and this was a a little a small trade i was going to do anyway Mm. so 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 normally i would i would not like to give anyone any advice on like which share to buy when to buy it not specifically and i will i will get on in a little while and give you like the tips that i use myself when I'm looking at trading. But I wouldn't, I don't, obviously I did it a little while ago with the, I I was telling people, look, buy Aston Martin, now's a good time to buy. Um, You can sell it a little while and you'll make some money. And funnily enough, well not funnily enough, as predicted, two weeks later, there was an offer to buy part of the company from a Canadian billionaire. The value of the property went went up, uh, of the shares went up by about 15% and I I made my money and, and sold. Um, so yeah, if I look at uh, the BP shares that were purchased uh, a couple of weeks ago, the current uh, the current profit margin, and I'll show it to Denny so that he can he can see in terms of percentage.
2: Yeah,
0: you see it there on the screen. What's that as a percentage, mate? The top one. Uh, Four
1: point nine.
0: Four point nine. So, I asked this person uh, before they downloaded the app what um, what the yield was on their rental property. Yeah. And it has that house has an interest-only mortgage. They're not clearing the capital, um, and the yield was like three and a half, four percent a mm-hmm. year. Now these shares were only bought two, or three weeks ago. You sell them, in, you sell them today. You've made four point nine percent.
2: Yeah.
0: So you you can make more money off shares potentially, especially when you consider. Everything has risk, right? Mm-hmm. So let's we'll, we'll, we'll look at shares in a second, but let's just finish off on the house, right? A, a house can be a huge liability, especially if you think about, there's a lot of landlords now who are not going to get income for the next three months, but they yeah. still have to maintain their mortgage payments yeah. unless they can get a mortgage holiday. And they still have and- to
1: uh, abide by the law and fix any issues that happen with the house and... You know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff as well.
0: And on top of that, you could get a tenant who decides that they're not paying you the rent anymore. Yeah. And it could take you six months to get that tenant out of the house. Yeah. And that's six months of you paying a mortgage. So you're losing money every month for those six months. And then when you do get them out of the house, they've trashed the whole house. And you need to spend 10 grand getting it fixed up. Yeah. So First in that instance, that. You're, you'd be on a, a negative yield. You, you sound like that hurt you, Denny, it just did. to hear it, like, it bringing back memories. It did.
1: Very bad <laughs> memories. Um, luckily, I got rid of that property end of last year. Okay.
0: So, um, did, did you ever do the calculation on, like, the yield of it? I didn't make any money. There you
1: go. I, I, I didn't, I pretty much, well, not nothing worth. In terms of what I paid on maintenance, put it this way, I made... the the, the purchase value and the sell value, in in um uh what we're talking about two and a half years, I got over twenty percent increase, which is which is good, yeah, that's fair, that's 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 decent enough. It's closer to thirty percent. That's decent enough. By the time I factored in lost earnings from um uh damage from months when it wasn't um uh rented out having to having the hassle of people being in there and not and not paying rent um when it's not rented out and there was a long period when it wasn't rented out because it was trash and I had to get it fixed. Um uh the like you still have to pay council taxes, the the, the laws in, in Wales are slightly different um so you only get a very small you get a shorter period of time where you don't get to pay council tax um you also have to in wells because this was this this was a flat in wells you have to um do a course um to be a landlord or you have to give it to someone you have to you have to pay to register and if you're going to be the landlord basically do the maintenance you have to you have to do a day course which costs uh, a few hundred quid if not you have to give it to a registered letting agent who obviously taken a small cut as well. So by the time all of that was factored in, um, and it was hassle for two and a half years, it was hassle. I was having to like unnecessary hassle. Um, and that's, yeah. So if, if, if I was to calculate time as well at my daily rate, pff, um, <laughs> no, so, but I ended up selling it and I just done a quick sale in the end because I was like, Oh, this is a nightmare. Um, I've literally made three... No, about a grand. About a... Oh, something's gone on there with the sound. There's a, there's a
0: constant. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I'm just, What's going on? And, is it going? Uh, I'm
1: making a... Note? Oh, it's um, so we, Yeah, I'll just check. Oh, it's come back. Is that...
0: Doesn't it? Oh, that's not that one. That's not that Question is: Is it something from here? Let's just let me just end it and then we'll, we'll join it again. Yeah. Maybe that might help.
1: It's coming from the computer um, can you hear me around this lead, it's, that shouldn't be... sec I'm going to close this and open it
2: back BELL <phone rings>
1: yeah it's back now it's all good now
0: gone yeah they' gone oh, right, give me, give me... hey it had gone <laughs> yeah it sounds like when you talk it kind of comes back a little bit.
1: In. Don't know if this will work. Let's give it a try. Mm. Oh, one sec before I try that.
2: There's a it out.
1: to fix it it's basically something when i'm plugging it into my surface pro it's picking it's, it's having that but you no, know, i didn't think of that first the surface pro's in a in a a, um, a dock what? and the dock's got its own um jack and i've just put it in there and it's fine so that's Do, why is that it that's what i thought would happen so if i go to uh Docking station audio device. Yep. So that was from one nineteen to one twenty-seven. Yep. When you're ready.
0: Hold on. Give me give me a minute first. I actually thought you were going to take a lot longer, so I started making <laughs> 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 toast, um, which I will just I will just eat on the slide or I'll just yam it real quick. Um. Oh, I need to get milk. Um all right how uh sorry how long uh, how far are we in
1: uh it was at, one, it was at 119
0: 119 yeah. so we've done 80 minutes and yeah. i reckon we're probably and the other we're, one, we're,
1: one was at 40 something minutes when we stopped yeah. so probably okay. at
0: about 117 okay so we're probably about halfway through all the shit that i wanted to go uh, through
1: okay do you want to do another episode uh
0: I I don't know. What do you reckon? I don't mind if it it ends up being a three-hour episode. It doesn't really matter because people just listen to it in... As and when, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, in bits and pieces anyway, isn't it? Okay. Um, And you know what? Yeah, as luck would have it, I I kind of burnt my toast. (laughs) So I'm not going to eat it, (laughs) which is good. Uh, Right, I'll just grab my tea and I'll sit back down and then we'll be right. Cool. Oh, that's good tea it's good tea brother I'll fucking smash that tea I'll grab my phone alright uh, so what was I saying I was saying about um, fuck uh, something along the lines of the rent or yield houses risk and then you talk you spoke about your Wells property didn't you yeah
1: um, just okay some, are, you,
0: just quick are, are quick. you able to pay it back or now uh, play it back sorry
1: um, I haven't, do you know what? I haven't, um, tried to do that. I'm not sure there must be a yeah, way to right. pause, but I haven't figured that out.
0: Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to like potentially fuck it up.
1: Yeah. I'm going <sighs> to make some notes quickly of the times. Um, uh, so let's see. one 19. Two, one, thirty-one. The other one was it? I think it was like forty-four to forty-seven. Cool. Whenever you're ready. Okay. uh, Three. Count in.
0: So I'll I'll start off with an apology. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Apologies, ladies and gentlemen, had a, a little technical issue there, um, and without without wanting to risk it, I'll, I'll kind of try and pick up from where we left off, and that was obviously we we're just talking about um, the the difference in the uh, the potential that you can make from from certain investments. So, all investments doesn't matter where you put your money, carry inherent risk and rewards. In fact, there was one investment that. I kind of thought of at one point that almost has no risk and it and i think i might have mentioned it on the last episode with lamin and that's stamps because the the price of stamps goes up with inflation (laughs) (laughs) um so so potentially if you had you know someone had the need to to bulk buy stamps companies whatever you can you can sell stamps and buy stamps even just normal ones not necessarily like exclusive ones whatever and, and generally keep your money safe you'd have to be a sad son of a you know what um to, to be buying a shitload of stamps and keeping them safe but <laughs> it, it, it's there as an option um see so yeah everything everything absolutely everything you know if you if you put your money on, under the mattress okay you're not getting any interest on it and there's a risk that someone burgles you or your house gets burnt down well, and it, you lose everything
1: I was just gonna say. Um, bit of a sad story and don't know how much I should admit this so when I was younger I used to collect stamps I actually had like loads different countries from the 1800s mad collection and um yeah we got burgled and they took them <laughs>
0: motherfuckers so yeah
1: literally I had a penny red, um, which was from Queen Victoria's time um no, I didn't have so it's really weird and this is super geeking out and this was like I was probably like 10 so I don't even know how I remember this but the perforation around the stamps um, there was different perforations from different sort of time periods or whatever it was and there were certain ones that were worth, like stupid amounts of money so for example a penny red stamp that I had issued in 18 whenever um was was only worth at the time like six to ten quid but there were other ones with slight different perforations or whatever other details that were worth like thousands
0: so yeah it was a yeah. I've, i'm literally i've just gone on to um i've just gone onto ebay well not even onto ebay i just googled penny red and it came up with three the first three that are listed on ebay first one's 1200 pounds yeah the second one is 39,500. Wow. Uh, and the third one's 395 quid. Yeah. So they have um, obviously varying values, yeah. varying prices. So I imagine
1: obviously every year more and more I get get lost or destroyed or stolen. Um yeah. so the the value would have gone up. So if I still had those like we're talking not what nearly 30 years later that could be mm. the probably I don't know the middle the middle value one potentially,
0: yeah. there, at least hundred. So, mm. well, it says uh, even the the there's an article in the Mirror uh, that's a little bit older from 2017. It says the Penny Red, the most expensive stamp Stanley Gibbons has sold, is a British Penny Red stamp, and it sold for 550 grand. A Penny Red now is the most expensive. The, the, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that was a one-off thing yeah that he'd, he'd it must have that. been something
1: rare because the penny black yeah. again um similar sort of thing where it has variants in prices but the that was like the bad boy that was like the, the one you wanted to try and get hold of because even then i think a penny black was worth like a thousand pound for the crappiest one going up all so right
0: you, I'm out you do stuff realize stuff. You, you just said that was the bad boy stamp <laughs> That was the bad boy stamp, you know, you get me, bro. That, stamp was, that stamp was lit, yeah? All right. Um, so, yeah, obviously there are inherent risks, potential rewards to everything. And then there's generally a, a kind of consistent thing that the more risk you're willing to take, the greater your potential re- rewards. Obviously, when you talk about risk, you're talking about the, the potential for you to lose money um so so let's let's jump on to, to the stock market proper now yeah yeah so for for sake of explanation right the the FTSE for 1 100 for example is a platform that other companies use to trade shares right
2: yeah
0: if we're talking about shares like if if you want to think of shares as anything think of it as lending money to a company that they are never gonna pay you. They're never gonna pay you back the original amount of money that you lent them. So you lend them a hundred pounds, and they say, "Okay, because you lent us a hundred pounds, we'll pay you six pounds interest every year." So you're getting six percent, right? Yeah. But, but we're not gonna pay you back that hundred pounds. If you ever want to get your hundred pounds back, you can sell that that certificate that of of ownership in this loan, you can sell that onto someone else. So I could sell it to you. I could get my hundred pounds back after getting six pounds for two or three years. So I'd I'd be on eighteen quid profit, for example, um, after those three years, and I've got my hundred pounds back, my my initial investment, and now you own that stock and, and you can do the same thing. The the only thing is obviously that certificate, the value of that certificate will change. You can own one share, yeah. but the value of that share will change depending on the performance of the company. And the reason why it will change depending on the performance of the company is because how much the company pays you on that ownership of that share depends on how well they're performing. So if they're performing very well, instead of getting, instead of getting six pounds at the end of the year, you might get 12 pounds or 15 pounds or whatever. If they're performing badly, you might get... Fuck right. Um there there are certain companies out there that don't ever really pay dividends on shares. I think Amazon's one of them, isn't it? Isn't it? You've got have you got Amazon shares then? Um, I haven't no more now. Okay. But I'm pretty sure they don't pay dividends. Okay. Um but they they have a decent growth rate. Yes. So mo- yeah. So like a lot of people still buy Amazon just for the potential increase in the the share price. Yeah. Um now the, the risk involved with shares comes, especially people see it as the risk is times like this. But right now is not the risk time. Right now is the reward time I explained to you. You could have bought, let's say, for example, you you, you listen to President Donald Trump and he goes, look what I've done for the economy, look what I've done for the stock market. It's all at an all-time high. Now, if you go back like six, eight months, the, the British stock markets, the FTSE, the American stock markets, the Dow Jones, the Nasdaq, they—they're they're all quite high, right? They're—they're they're hovering quite high. If you look now, the—the footsie compared to where it was. In fact, let me just let me just bring up some market data so that I'm actually quoting specifics and not just kind of fluking it. Um, so, I open up this app, market data, FTSE 100 for the last year. Let's do yeah, let's just do the last year. Okay, so if we look back at let's say the 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 twenty seventh of December, twenty nineteen, the FTSE one hundred was sitting at six uh, seven thousand six hundred forty four points. And don't worry about what that actually means or what's what that's worth. But but let's just just have it like this. Um, back on the 19th of March, which was not that long ago, the FTSE was f- sitting at five thousand one hundred and fifty-one. So I don't know then how, how good your math to work out what that is. To me, that sounds like a third. So that again. From sorry. Seven, so from seven and a half thousand points mm-hmm. down to five thousand points, that sounds like it's lost a third of its value, right? Uh
1: yeah, about that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're looking at if you'd have bought shares let's say let's say because you can actually buy um you can buy into a fund that will track shares as well i don't want to go too much into like the technicalities of what you can and can't do with shares because it's really boring and for most people it's not that important I'll, i'll go through a little bit of it in a minute but just to give you an example you can you can put your money into a tracker fund a tracker fund binds only shares in the FTSE 100 and it and it will it will link directly to the FTSE 100. So if you put 100 pounds in and the FTSE goes up by 5%, you will get a 5% increase in the value of your money because it tracks that entire fund. Okay. So so if you bought shares uh if you bought money or you put money sorry into a tracker fund back in uh November December time you will uh, right now be sitting at a 30% loss if you sell them if you sell them if you put a hundred pounds into that fund now and wait for it to recover not only will you not suffer that loss from losing the 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 thirty percent that you lost initially you'll make thirty percent on the investment that you're putting in now so rather than being back at square one in six months time when the market recovers you'll be up 30%, which is where you would have much. In fact, let's be real. No one's expecting to make 130% off the fucking footsie in six months. It's not a market that, that grows that much in, in that short space of time. So historically, and and this will not change, in times of financial hardship, in times of recession, or just general bad news, the value of companies or markets drops drastically which is the best time to invest. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, I'd asked, the, there's a couple of people that I spoke to uh, before we did this podcast and I asked them if they had any questions. And one of them was asking me like, the, you know, the key question is right now, is right now a good time to invest? To which I say this, I was in a position to buy a house. I have backed out of buying that house. If i just think about the financial reasons for buying the house the house is going to lose five percent of its value to ten percent of its value over the next year or so so even if even if i was still going to buy that house i could just say i'll just put it on hold for now i'll say no to it if it's still on the market great if not i'll find another house that's maybe even nicer for the same price or if that house is still on the market the sellers are going to be even keener to sell, they'll accept an even lower market because the overall market has dropped. So, that it makes no sense to buy a house right now. The value of it's going to, like, if you're going to buy a house, you buy a house in six months. If it, let's assume, let's assume that we managed to get over this coronavirus thing in the next six months, that is. Um, so the, the value of house price is going to be pretty shit. However, the value of share prices is already shit. So, if you now invest in in the the FTSE one hundred or, or certain companies, you're looking at a much greater potential for growth. And and the the great thing is people don't do this. Like it's I say it's great. It's great because people panic. They sell their shares. And it drives down the price of the shares. Um, yeah, exactly that. Uh, so, so we, what happens is the common man, the common person who is emotional about their investment. And that's something you mentioned earlier, Dan, that you yeah. don't want to be emotional. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yes, then he knows. Yeah. Um, is that if you're, if you're emotional about money that you invest, it's not going to be a good investment. You're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes. So you're much better if you can kind of disassociate yourself with that a little bit. Um, the The ideal time to buy is at times like this. The safest way to do it is to buy money in funds. However, I tend to buy money, I uh, buy money, I tend to buy shares or put money into specific companies. And this is where I'll, I'll get onto like my, my little hot tips thing here. Yeah? Is there's there's only a couple of reasons why i would buy shares in a com- in a company the first marker is that they have to be down like they have to have the, the value of the company has to be much lower than it normally is okay if it's if it's not if it's not down i'm not buying it if if a company like apple have released a new iphone and the share price is at an all time high i'm not then going to buy shares in them hoping that it carries on in an upward trajectory what comes up must go down what goes down must come up now, once I've identified a company that has lost money, and let me just, um, I'll give an example, right? This is a company that I've just bought shares in and, in fact, is lost money since I've bought the shares in it. And that means that I will be buying more shares in that company. So this company is called Megit uh, on the FTSE 100, if you search MGGT. Um, this company, their current share price is two pounds and 18 pence per share in just get the date on the 15th of January the share price was 694 pence so six pounds and 94 or even six pounds 97 is I think the highest that they reached Um, and the lowest that they were last year was around five pounds so so right now they are more than 50% down on their normal price. And what, what Why do they, they do? Hmm? What do they do? Megit, are uh, aviation engineering company, they supply parts to um, uh, okay. aircraft uh, companies like Boeing and, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so they've uh, obviously, like, the, the travel industry is taken a big hit during this coronavirus situation. A lot of flights have been grabbed therefore a lot of airlines are not looking to buy new airplanes which has fucked them over yeah
2: sorry yeah
0: just so so... oh you're looking at that now Daniel. yeah
1: yeah
0: it's it's looking like it's fallen off a cliff right
1: it does yeah
0: yeah now here's the thing here's the thing because the travel ban is not being lifted anytime soon the share the share price of this company may very well continue to drop however within three to six months of the travel ban getting lifted there's going to be a a, a big big boost in that and, yeah. and here's the other thing to think about same way like your if you leave your car sat on the driveway for a long period of time When you come back to drive it again, you'll notice like there'll be lots of problems with it because cars are not designed to sit cold for a long period of time. Airplanes are the same. Once you leave them sat, they sit and they start to rust, you start to get issues, yada, yada, yada. So even this company will start to have orders once the airline industry starts to open back up again. Maybe they won't initially get a lot of orders for 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 new aircraft parts for the purpose of building new aircraft, but for the purpose of repairs and stuff like that they will and even just the the general public perception as soon as they announce that they're like back open for business that will create a massive boost in the share price so in terms of like a medium to long term thing strictly speaking i'm not allowed to recommend them i'm not recommending that anyone buys these shares particularly because for all i fucking know their CEO could come in on Monday morning and quit, which will have a disastrous effect on their share price. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening with this company. I didn't do that much research into them. All I did was I, I kind of followed my normal principles, which I will get back to right now. So, first thing, company has to have lost money. This company, Megit, they fall into that category, yeah. Yeah. Second thing is that they need to be a big enough company that I am not worried about them going bankrupt. Now, generally speaking, most companies on the FTSE 100 are big enough that even a 50% decrease in the value of their share price isn't going to kill them. So they've ticked that box for me. Um, The third thing is I need to know that whatever has caused the value of that share to go down is not something that's going to cripple the company for years or put it in a position to potentially go bankrupt. Now, a good example was um, Elon Musk went on the Joe Rogan experience. And this thing went around online saying, like just after, because the share price of Tesla dropped significantly just after that podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And a lot of people were saying, oh, the share price dropped because He went on this podcast and he smoked weed on the podcast and you know shareholders didn't like that so a lot of them were worried about the image of the company and therefore they sold their shares in the company but that's not actually the case do you do you ever remember hearing anything about that den or do you know what actually happened
1: i can't remember what happened but i do remember hearing about that
0: right so all that you heard was the share price went down because he smoked weed right yeah pretty much okay what actually happened was uh, one of the finance directors that had just been appointed quit within a month, oh. and that's like, huh? Why would the Why would a finance director quit within a month? There must be something that they're really not comfortable with. Maybe that's why that. Um, so 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 maybe we can't trust that this company is going to do well long term. Um, there there was an, another incident that happened not too long after that, and that was that Elon Musk went public and said that he was gonna um buy so back fine. some of the shares or something like that yeah. at at a price of 420 a share I
1: remember that yeah
0: um and what happened was the um the regulatory board in the United States uh, basically said that he had broken their rules and as such he had to like sacrifice his position I think I can't remember whether or not it was as CEO or as one of the people on the board of chair or on the board of directors or whatever but obviously that that happened and that meant that the the share price again took a little hit yeah but, but if you go online and look at the share price of Tesla it's taking these little hits and it's come straight back up mm-hmm. uh, in fact Tesla's is one of these companies that financial analysts keep predicting that the value of it's going to fall through the floor but it keeps on shooting on uh, and shooting up so, they're are my principles, right? It has to be a company that's, you know, had a big hit in the in a share price. Uh, the reason for the big hit in the share price is not something that's that's going to be a long term thing, um, and they need to be a big enough company that I'm not worried about them going out of business. That's all the research I do. Okay, I don't do anything else, and that takes me five minutes, not even because realistically like let's say this company megat right yeah i just googled them and it came up you know megat suffers huge losses as you know demand for aircraft aircraft parts and whatnot falls to an all-time low um and that's it now after after buying those shares the share price actually went up at one point it was up by like six or seven percent so i could have sold the shares and still made money but i decided not to I decided. You know, even if it goes down, I'll just buy some more. It's fine. This is a more medium to long-term investment. I'll be all right. Okay. So now that we've identified when to buy shares, i.e., now, fucking now, as long as as long as you're not in a financial position where it's going to kill you, um, you got to think about when you're going to sell them. And there's a simple rule, right? Make money. Okay. Don't sell don't sell shares unless you're going to make money on them. That's it. And you you have to you have to understand like let's say you want to buy shares in one company for 100 pounds. Okay? That's fine. But you're going to get charged a trading fee on the front end and on the back end, and that's a fixed price. It's normally 12 pounds 50 each end, which means you've then already you need to make 25% just to get your initial money back. If you're getting charged £12.50 on £1,000, obviously that's a much smaller percentage. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to have as much of an increase in, in overall price. So if you've got, let's say, this mega company that I bought shares in, they've gone down by nearly, uh, I think it's like nearly 10% actually, they've gone down by since I bought the shares. And I, will, I could kick myself and be like, oh, you know what? I bought too early, I should have done this, I should have done that. But it's fine because instead of getting getting paranoid about it or worrying about it, all I'm gonna do is on Monday morning, I'm gonna put some more money into that company. And guess what? If everyone did that, the share price would go up. Yeah, true. (laughs) If everyone just went, oh fuck it, these are so cheap, I'm just gonna buy their shares. It'd be like, oh, there's a huge demand for these shares. What do people know that we don't know? I don't know, but let's jump on the bandwagon and buy for them as well. Next thing you know, the price is going up through the uh, going up through the ceiling again. Um, so yeah, so that that's my thing about like when to sell. Um, the only other thing is that um, people get worried about uh, tax implications as well. Yeah unless you're making huge sums of money off selling shares you don't really need to worry about it you can use your capital gains tax allowance which is I think right now it's 10 and a half grand a year um it hasn't changed much for a few years if if I am correct so you can you can write off your losses on uh, with your cgt allowance um and it's not um let's say let's say for example you you buy shares for 100 pounds you sell them for 110. There you go. You you have to declare that you made ten pounds. It's not. You don't have to declare that you made one hundred and ten. Some people get a little bit worried, um, but it's it's always the cost of buying the asset minus. Sorry, the sale the sale of the asset minus the cost of the asset minus anything that you had to spend on it to, even what you had to spend to help improve its value or upkeep it. Um, so yes, yeah, so you don't really need to, need to worry about tax implications. And and the big point I want to make here as well is this, 99% of people own shares. They just don't think about it. Okay, If you have a company pension, you have shares. It's as simple as that. Now you can actually contact your company pension provider and ask them where your money's invested. And you can ask them to move it as well. A lot of them have low risk, medium risk, and high risk funds. And by moving, let's say, if you're in your 20s or 30s, it makes more sense for you to move to a high risk fund um, so that your potential for returns is greater. And then as time goes on and you get closer and closer to your uh, date of drawing on that money, you'd wanna make sure that your money's moving to safer and safer assets. So they're less volatile. The value of them doesn't go up and down as much. And you kind of know what you're getting. You might not be in a position to make as much money off them, but at least you know exactly what you're getting. Does that all kind of make sense?
2: Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense.
0: That's good stuff. So I did did get a couple of other questions before I go any further with shares that I wanted to go through. So one question that i got was how to research on a company from scratch what does what does the 10 minutes because i normally say to people don't spend any more than 10 minutes um which i think i kind of covered off already so we call on that uh companies to absolutely avoid companies to avoid are Be careful
1: company, into the mic.
0: sorry I'm, I'm breathing heavy as well because i'm a pervert <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Companies to avoid, generally speaking, are companies that haven't been established for very long. Uh, obviously, nine nine out of ten like startup companies fail, and then the ones that do make it five years, like I think only two out of ten of those actually make it the next five years. So that's kind of that, that's a big no-no. Uh, the only other companies that I'd say to um, to avoid are ones that don't line up with your ethical values. So, just trying to think of an example. Mon, was it, if it you, Monsanto? Mon, what's that one? No. Monsan, Monsanto? Yeah, that's the one. Um, I didn't even know you could buy shares in Monsanto. I, not I, not I thought sure. they were... Like, uh... yeah.
1: I, just, I just said that as a company that I know a lot of people hate.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Even Let's say you're against animal testing. Don't buy shares in, in companies that test on animals, and I, I guess that's a good enough example, no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, so good yeah. example. Keep keep to stuff that, that fits in line with your with your morals. Um that's that's a big one. Foreign markets, I generally try to stay away from, especially because the time difference could mean <clears throat> let's say the government releases some new law or some new policy that you, you weren't keeping up with, and while you're asleep the market shifts and suddenly your investment loses a ton of money. And because it's a, a, a legal change, most likely that, that law is not going to change back anytime soon. So it will take you a long time to recoup your money if you can ever recoup it. So generally I say to stick to um, companies that are in the country that you live in. And... I think that's about it. Generally, for, for me personally, I don't really like to invest in banks. Like right now, I just don't feel like it's a good time. Um, there are, there, There's always going to be companies that, that can make money, um, but finding the right one can be quite hard. Um, another question I've got is, uh, what is a red flag for go or no go? I'm guessing when that person was asking that they're doing about sell or don't sell or buy or don't buy. The, the only time I would ever, s- so so when it comes to selling, it's just a case of you need to be happy that you've made enough money off that trade to achieve your goal. So now I could sell the shares in BP right now that I hold that all, all have made me 5%. And that's, that's enough to beat inflation. That's enough to beat uh, anything that I'm going to get off a savings account. But... BP generally pays like nearly ten percent dividends, so I think I've got the potential to get more out of them. Uh, dividends is that that interest payment basically. Uh, they just don't call it div- they don't call it interest because it's not calculated on interest; it's calculated on their performance. Um, and uh, yeah, let me just double check the the questions that were asked. Bloody hell. Um, what is a high risk worth taking and not worth taking for healthy investors? And by healthy, I mean modest ones. Okay. That's a bit of a a contradictory question, right? Just because if you're looking for a modest return, you're not really looking for high risk. So I agree. So normally... I would only say to invest in something that has the potential for high risk if you know something about that particular industry. Um, and Denny, you've got a little bit of experience on that, there.
1: No? Yeah, so I think I mentioned it briefly last episode, but that's one of the things, and it's, it's often a tip I would give people. Like, I'm in the tech industry, so I feel safer, um, particularly starting out, um, particularly when I was starting out, investing in companies i have a better understanding and just an industry i have an understanding of so for example if you're into gaming for example um you'll know that sony are going to be releasing the playstation 5 or planning to release the playstation 5 this year so when that was announced for example um that could potentially coming off the back of the successful very very successful playstation 4 um they've got momentum so so when that announcement was made that could have potentially been uh, a spike in their um in their um stock market price um now and if you're following that because you're you're following the industry now um there's the coronavirus that's held up a lot of um manufacturing in in china um so now there's a potential that their um release date their planned holiday 2020 release date is gonna slip so that's gonna hit um that's gonna make their share price potentially take a hit now if you're into gaming you're going to be reading this stuff every day if you're into cars you'd probably have Again, if you're into automotive, you'll probably have a similar understanding of of uh, f- things being released and what, what some of the companies are doing. So that's an example of gaming. So that's just from, from, um, from uh, looking sort of 12 months, I've got a rough idea just because I'm into it of what Sony are going to be doing. Um, I know when all their big games are being released and the, the general sort of things that are going to, um a spike that are going to basically increase their value and potentially knock their value so again that again sort of you you just you would just feel more comfortable um because it's an industry that you know rather than um dabbling in things you're not as you know you don't have as as, as good an understanding of that's one of the things i don't obviously now i've been doing it a little while so i start looking at other stuff but um that was my first thing and on top of that tech for quite a long time now has been um on a on a bit of a ball run as they like to call it um so there's 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 always good money to be made as an example one of the things with tech is um and again if you're if you're a follower you like read tech like TechCrunch um and certain blogs you'll 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 see a lot of um there's a lot of activity going on so for example apple um, with the iPhone um, being one of their biggest—that's um, that's their biggest money money maker. Um, production's been affected in China again by COVID nineteen. That's a that's a that's a technology company. So you can imagine Apple shares are going to go down. Um, whereas if you think of what we've been hearing all over the news is about this new tech company uh, called Zoom. Um, a lot of people wouldn't have heard of Zoom before this, but now because we're being forced to stay at home, Zoom subscriptions, Zoom usage has gone through the roof. So their share value has gone up, the same as Netflix. Because people are at home, because people are watching TV, because people are a bit more bored, more people are using Netflix, uh, more people are listening to the radio. So all of this kind of stuff. And again, um, while the coronavirus wasn't something you could necessarily predict, quite early on when I started hearing a little bit of a buzz about zoom and thought, Oh shit, that makes perfect sense. And there was another one actually that it happened to, and I kind of missed the wave on that. And then as soon as I started hearing a couple of little things about zoom, I was like, shit, that makes sense. People are going to start using that. Um, i put money on zoom and I also put money on a couple of other similar, um, companies, uh, that provide a similar sort of service. And if you've been following the news, in fact, some, some of this stuff, becomes sort of pop news. Um so Zoom maybe two months ago, because I'm into tech, I would have known about it, but now everyone knows about Zoom because it's on the news and there was a thing with um Boris Johnson using it and taking a picture of him using that to have a cabinet meeting and things like that. Um, and it gets that exposure, which means more people start using it and it becomes a, a very, very big and an established company, and you have that sort of snowball effect. But that's just one of the things I, I say to people. Um, just look at if you're familiar or you're comfortable with a certain industry. Um, that's always a good place to sort of start.
0: And uh, to give you guys an example of uh, kind of Zoom's performance uh, on the twenty third of January oh, on the twenty third of December last year, Zoom shares were sixty six dollars a share. And if I can get to it, the current or, or the, the peak uh, on the 23rd of March was $160. Yeah, so that's maybe so, hundred uh, yeah, percent that's hundred percent That's, that's decent. Yeah. That is a, a decent investment to make. Uh, if Obviously, if you can foresee it. Now, if you're sitting there going, okay, well, I've, I've missed the boat on, uh, on on buying companies like that. Um Things to, to bear in mind is that what's happening now obviously does have an impact on what happens in the future. So, um, as I mentioned before, obviously you know companies like uh, airline companies, stuff like that. Right now it's all doom and gloom, but once the recovery happens and people start to get back on their feet, they're gonna people are gonna want to go on holiday. Oh, I can't get, wait to get out of this fucking country. Then he's gonna book like. 17 flights like the day the day the travel ban gets lifted you will find Denny standing at Heathrow airport just asking for whatever he can get on
1: listen this is the thing this is the thing though because I'm applying the same thing to my holidays remember I said I buy them in the cheap time in January but I'm doing the same thing I'm looking now because they're desperate right now they're trying to get they still want people to book in advance because it gives them cash flow now So if I book and I have to pay 300 pound deposit, they get that 300 pound now. And holidays I've had to cancel. So I've had to cancel two holidays because of this. And they've offered me vouchers for me to use later on. So that means they keep the money, but they've also offered me loads as well. So I effectively getting my holiday, I'm using the downtime um, to get to, to purchase and I'll end up getting more value for it. So for example, everything that BA is selling at the moment, they're giving you the option to, uh, basically they're giving you free flexi dates, which normally, if you look at the price of a flight and you want a flexible flight, you can potentially be paying double your ticket price, sometimes even more to get a flexible ticket flight. And that means basically you can change it. I think it's up to 24 hours and just book on any, uh, another flight, basically. Yeah. But, nah, I'm, I'm late for that. Or, um, no, I don't want to wake up in the morning for that. Book me one for the evening. And normally, as I said, so that's what they did in the moment. So um, yeah, similar, similar sort of thing. It's a downtime, but because they they want to keep ticking over, um, it, it, it's a potential buy opportunity.
0: Huh. And have Have you um have you bought any uh, holidays since? And noticed that they're cheaper.
1: Um, I have. I've been looking, um, and um, I've booked. I've booked one so far. I've only booked one, but that's okay. for that's for. Um, I've booked it quite far in advance.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so uh, another thing to consider is that whilst uh, the the consensus among all companies is that the you know the share price has gone down some some things are being bought at at an exponential rate that maybe you don't pick up on right now so like netflix the share price went up because their subscriptions went up and that's something that they can monitor like every single day Mm -hmm. there are uh, there are other like more tangible assets that let's say for example if there's a i I don't even know if there's a company that's listed on on the stock exchange um Mm -hmm. And i'm not even going to waste my time looking but let's just say that the, the company wall or well or whatever it is you know the the company that make clippers
1: oh yeah w-h-a-w-a-h-l a-h-l yeah, yeah i don't know how to say it
0: uh, I, I don't know if they're a publicly traded company but if they are they'd be a good one to buy uh-huh, because yeah. they are out of stock of everything right now because yeah. everyone's cutting their hair at home so if you go onto the boots website you cannot buy Like ninety percent of their their trimmers, you can't or their clippers, sorry, you just can't get them, Um, and they're like that's kind of under the radar thing, right? So that's just something to give you an idea. Um, Other companies like fitness equipment companies, yeah. Um, For me, this is a great time because I have a, a home gym. All the equipment that I've got, I have bought used. Um, like I've, I've got a, a leg machine that cost about two grand. i got it of someone that was desperate to sell it. I, I give them a hundred pound for it. Um, and I didn't have to haggle them. Um, they literally, it was, they listed it for 150 and told me if I could come pick it up the next day that I could have it for a hundred.
2: Okay.
0: Um, so, so, so for me, I'm sitting there going, okay, I buy like weight, weights and fitness equipment. I know that in three months time facebook marketplace gumtree ebay is all going to be flooded with people selling off their home gym gear because they're going to go back to the gym yeah and likewise companies like gyms that are currently closed their share price is going to be rock bottom the issue you've got is you just need you you need to time it right now if you can if you can buy shares in like I don't know, fucking uh, what's that higher end company? Not Nuff, um Not you know, the, the Yeah, like Nuffield or Lloyd's. Yeah. Let's say you could buy shares in them, for example. If the, the best time to buy those shares is the day before the government releases the, the 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 travel ban, the 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 lockdown, right? Because you know that their share price is pretty it definitely get hit rock bottom. It can't get any worse. People are going to come back. They're going to start paying the gym subscriptions. That company is going to get back on track pretty quickly. So just think about like looking around, look around, you look at the things that you spend your money on? Look at the, the things that you interact with and you can make decent returns on that. Otherwise just put money into a fund. That way someone else manages it for you and stuff like that. Um, That was a long answer to that question. And I have one more question that was asked. And that is, if you can see that the price is dropping significantly and it is doing so consistently, is this the time to give up and sell? As in, when do you know we can't expect it to rise again?
1: Can I answer that quickly? Go on, then. So, Could you just turn your video off quickly? Oh, let's come back. Um, Can I just answer that quickly? Um, Do it, do it. I purchase Royal Mail shares and I under whose, probably, under whose
0: advice denny
1: i kept them way too long <laughs> yeah. i've still got them um but i think they they started at 370 after a couple of days yep. there was a mad rush, and they peaked at, they went up to like um just be careful of the mic again. um and then um so i think they peaked at about six something so nearly double um, at the moment, they're like one something, so about half the value they started at. So I'm hoping that they uh, they do pick up again at some point. I'm not
0: expecting it anytime okay. soon. But, um, okay, but they but they give you a twenty percent dividend.
1: The dividend yield is quite high. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so. even if um, even if you kept them, mm. you know. Again it will take you a little bit longer Because the price has dropped Eventually you're going to get your money back At yeah. the very least Yeah Right Now um,
1: So they were at 31, 11th of May 2018 And they're currently at one twenty eight, uh, one twenty six. Sorry
0: Now the thing is then I actually remember sitting in my car In Leatherhead advising you to register for the ipo
1: i did idea yeah i've done it at the time i remember yeah
0: yeah and and you're like how much shall i put in and i said i think there's a limit on how much you can how much you can buy so just just buy the maximum limit now and i and i also said to you get rid of them quick (laughs) yeah (laughs) because the price will go up quick so 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 part of it is like if you if you okay let let, let me ask any a question why didn't you sell them quickly, then?
1: Um, okay, so I'll be honest. There was an option that you had to tick in order to be able to do so. And I had no idea. <laughs> and I called up and they explained it to me and I kind of kicked off and um, saw a couple of mates um, bearing the fruits of their reading the instructions properly. But I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something basic you were supposed to tick or give consent with regards to being able to sell within a certain amount of time and i hadn't done it so i wasn't able to it was some weird thing Um, okay and then since then to tell the truth if i'm being totally honest the amount i occasionally um, have a look at the share prices um, when it was good but but because it's not a significant amount i've kind of ignored it if that makes Uh sense
0: yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. When we're talking about investing, we normally uh, like we try and be as smart as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And the smartest way you can invest is to have a diverse portfolio, like a spectrum of investments. Yeah. You have money in cash, money in shares, money in property, uh, maybe an investment into a business. Obviously, it it depends on where you where you start from, because if you start from having a maybe a couple hundred quid. Then you're not going to have that diversity in your portfolio. Yeah, yeah, fine. In which case, the the minimum rule that you should observe is when you're investing money, invest money that if you lost it all, yes, it would hurt you, but it would not cripple you. Yeah, that is like that's key. Yeah. So you even in your situation, right? You you say, let's say you sold it now. You haven't lost all your money. You've lost half your money.
2: Yeah,
0: not the end of the world. You'd be a bit annoyed. You could move on, move that money out into somewhere. else. Is there a good chance that the share price of that company will go up massively above what you bought it at in the next two years? Probably not. Yeah. I agree. Um, will it Will it go up enough that you can sell it and say, okay, that combined with what I've made off my dividends, do you know, I'll call it quits? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, and, a, and a lot of it, in in that terms, is just try not to be emotional about it. You, generally speaking, like like you've bought Royal Mail. Royal Mail aren't going out of business anytime soon. Yeah. So so you don't have to worry about losing all your money. So that's why it, when you're talking about when's a good time to like give up and sell, you shouldn't have bought shares in a company that you're going to have that thought about because they're, they're going to keep doing that badly. So, uh, let's say I, I wouldn't have, I would have never bought shares in like Thomas Cook or, um, what were they called back in the day? Was it Lumpoli or whatever, you oh, know, like yes. travel agents?
1: Lumpoli. Yeah. Lum Poly, yeah. That I that the time.
0: That's, that's my memory kicking in elephant. Um, or, but, And I I wouldn't put money into like Ryanair or Flybe, but I'd put money into established airlines like Virgin, Qatar, British Airways. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, If I was going to invest money in those those companies, and obviously you need to time it right. So, in terms of uh, when to when to cut out, cut your losses and run. A, you shouldn't have stepped in that situation to begin with, if you'd have done your research properly, that shouldn't be happening. Um, be just be be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, okay, if if this share price recovers in the next year, am I still going to be happy that I sold them now? Because if the share price recovers in a year, and you sell them now at a loss, most likely you're going to be pretty annoyed with yourself. Yeah. However, are you gonna be comfortable sitting on them for the next year looking at that money in a negative? Again, emotional about money, but it is what it is, I guess. You, you kind of you have to you have to try as much as you can to distance yourself from it. Yeah. The,
1: that's what I agree.
0: And the, the thing is, if you if you're looking at money for what it is, that old saying, time is money, that is legit. It's the most legit saying there is because your your money is literally your time like you've put in your time and effort to uh, to to give someone else productivity and they've transferred your productivity into a tangible asset i.e. You know, money in your account and if you lose that money that's you losing the time that you spent putting in that effort to to you know put in that productivity yeah so so in that respect uh yeah just just have have that honest conversation with yourself and and ask yourself you know if if i do this now fuck it um are we are we good for that uh so yeah in terms of questions i'd asked, actually that was all of them uh identifying opportunities i've done i was gonna do some stuff on being self-employed but you know what? i think you could pretty much dedicate one whole podcast to like being self-employed
1: yeah i agree
0: um so yeah we'll we'll skip that one uh isa allowance tax and shares uh Mm -hmm. all the taxation so so taxation on its own again is like a huge subject but i'll just give like a very brief summary um you're gonna have to pay tax on on any way that you make money right the government don't like people making money without them getting a cut they are greedy bastards that's the nicest way that i can say it um, so, obviously, you work, you get taxed on that. Your savings, you get taxed on that. Your investments, you get taxed on that. You bloody, you know, you, you want to spend money, well, you get taxed on that. That's what VAT is. And then, um, you know, you uh, you die, you get taxed on that. That's inheritance tax. There's, there is no way of avoiding taxes, which brings me to another old saying, there are only two certainties in life death and taxes um, but in terms of thinking about what you can do obviously if you put your money into a pension you you generally pay money in gross so if you want to pay uh, let's say you want £100 in your pension pot you you pay 20% less than that into your pension pot and they, they gross it up right the, the government does that for you you, you kind of does it for you. Um, so, so there, there's like tax efficiency there. You can put the the money that you've now earned and been paid into an ISA, which you will not get taxed on. So, when you uh, get paid from your bank uh, interest, that money is paid after they've paid the government their cut. Apologies, <sighs> we're getting into one AM territory here,
2: yeah.
0: and uh, I'm, and I'm an old man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the. the The tax thing, for for the vast majority of people, you don't need to worry about it, even tax on trading, because when you buy and sell shares, you can use a capital gains allowance, which is like 10 grand a year. Uh, So unless you're making 10 grand profit on shares, plus you don't really need to worry about it, which, again, you go back to uh, property as another investment, Uh, you don't get an allowance on what you can earn in terms of income from property that's that straight you know whatever you make monthly off your off your house that's getting taxed and unfortunately the way they've changed the law now you get taxed on all of your rental income not on your rental income minus your mortgage um which i don't know were you still did you still have your property when that rule changed or
1: when did that come in i don't uh, think
0: so. last tax year i think
1: yeah um i don't think so
0: okay So, yeah, so let's say um, previously people would go, okay, I've got a a house that I get a grand a month rent for, but I pay a £500 uh, mortgage to, so I only have to declare that I'm earning £500, whereas now you have to declare the whole thousand, and you pay tax on the whole thousand. Mm. Um, So that's that's an annoyance in itself, whereas with shares, and this is not to, like, blow the trumpet of shares too much, but with shares... um, the, the 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 tax that you you pay kind of is is minimal if anything because of your capital gains tax allowance that you can write it off um again i could you could go into bloody tax avoidance uh for hours and hours but it's a it's a really boring fucking topic so i'm not going to bore anyone with that the last thing just to skip over uh just before we cut out or or round off is uh pensions and inheritance tax um so that's that's the kind of stuff for the the later part of your life which at the beginning i mentioned obviously um you've got short-term medium-term long-term with pensions that the thing to bear in mind is that you're it's now like a requirement if you're working for a, a company in the uk I think they have to, I think they only need to have three or five employees. I can't remember the exact number, but it's pretty low. They have to offer you a pension. And if you pay into it, they have to pay into it as well. And that's a really good way. Like when when I mentioned earlier that figure of like needing 340 grand, if I was working for a private company and, you know, let's say I put in 3% and they match it, give me 3% as well that's a really good way of trying to get towards that figure that you need to to be able to survive in retirement. Yeah. Um, The only other things that I'll mention about that is you can talk to your pension provider and ask them where they're investing your money and make sure that it lines up with what you want it to do. I.e. when you're young, you put the money into high risk Mm -hmm. as you get older, you put it lower risk and also making sure that it lines up with your ethical standpoints. Um, and a lot of times people move from one company to another and they just leave their company uh, pension where it is. The The hazard with doing that potentially is that especially if you have a family, if you die and your family don't remember that you have that company pension some other place with some other company that you used to work for and they forget to ask the question, that money is gone forever so it makes a lot of sense I know a few people who they've had multiple jobs in multiple different pages, places they've got lots and lots of small pensions just to, to go to a private pension company or to a, a financial advisor and get them to merge all of those pensions, they can manage it and merge them all into one
2: Yeah.
0: Um. and then inheritance tax I
1: was just going to say with regards go on. to inheritance tax um, and just with regards to exactly what you're saying with regards to making sure you don't leave things um, and in the current climate um, with regards to sort of wills and that kind of stuff and tax planning, I could probably, we could probably do an episode on that um, uh, with uh, someone we both we, know and yeah. um, like really go into that. Cause I've been speaking to them lately and they've been saying, and there's a, some just again how things are, there's some really good examples, sort of case studies of the sort of that having to like basically doing that last minute and the extra hassle it causes when something unexpected. If you're trying to get a will, if you are trying to sort out finances, if you are trying to sort out this stuff while going while grieving, while um, trying to also pay the unexpected cost of a funeral and all of this sort of stuff, that sort of planning and stuff around that again i think is a close relative of um just standard finances as well because it's also how yeah. the state of, of finance the, the financial state you 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 kind of leave others in so yeah feel free to think but i'm just saying we I definitely we could obviously get hold of tyler and um
0: yeah do like i'll tell you what then I'll, i will yeah. just the only little nugget i'll give on this episode a very common misconception that i used to come across while i was working in, in the bank was that I would talk to people that clearly had inheritance tax liabilities, and they would say, "Oh no, I don't have an inheritance tax liability." At which point I'm like, "Okay, okay, you have a trust, you've got something set up," and they go, "No, I've done a will. That means I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I don't have to pay inheritance tax, right?" And oh. I say, "No, you f- fucking moron. <laughs> All a will does, just and just for anyone else." I apologize if you thought that as well and I'm calling you a moron because at the the time I thought it was blindingly obvious. But what happens when you die is you have an estate and your estate has assets and it has liabilities. You have to use the assets to pay the liabilities and whatever remains gets distributed to whoever you want it to in your will. Prior to your estate being settled, i.e. there being any debts cleared, your will don't mean shit. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, that's a, a very important thing to note, is that having a will does not negate inheritance tax in any way, shape or form. Um, but, yeah, so I we'll I will kind of will leave that uh, at that for now. Uh, but, yeah, maybe we'll come back and do a... Uh, do an episode on on self-employed like things to think about yeah. things to watch out for yeah, being self-employed be kind of hints and tips and that'll then we can good. do another one on estate planning and um yeah and inherent sex planning and wills and probate and stuff like that yeah cool. that'd be good all right in which case i think i think we should have at this point given enough information definitely to, to, to help people, the majority of people yeah,
1: help to help people and just get people talking and and i think importantly as well when if or hopefully when um, they do speak to a tax, adv- uh, sorry, not a tax advisor, a financial um, planner or anything like that, they kind of know the questions to sort of be asking. They sort of know what, you know, the basis to sort of be covering. Cause that's what I found. Yeah. That's what I found like when I first started speaking to you about that kind of stuff, it helped me. I went to a financial um, planner at my bank originally at the time I was trying to get a business loan um, asked me to speak to someone and it just gave me such a like um a head start i don't know if that's the right term it just allowed me to ask specific questions that i actually i wasn't going in there like oh okay i don't know that or oh could you just tell me about this i was able to go in there and lead the conversation say well i want to find out about this i want this i want this do you know do you see what i mean it kind of obviously they not to say i knew more than them but i could go in kind of locked and loaded rather than um them just be able to sell me and not to say they would but you know to sell me whatever they they want to sell me i had a good understanding of what i actually was going there for um yeah so hopefully we can at least give people that
0: okay yeah man that's good that's good I think also like when you're in that situation you feel more confident yeah which makes them feel more confident in trusting that you're actually like able to fulfill your end of the deal as well
2: yeah very true yeah mm.
0: all right okay so if we if we end kind of bring it around to we'll do our throwbacks and stuff just yeah. out of curiosity what's, what's our time count man I feel like we were talking about like 17 um, hours
1: <laughs> it's gonna be about two hours 15 I think
0: All right, that's got to be a record. I think has got to be a record. So, hopefully, hopefully you guys made it this far. Uh, And if you did, and and guys, if you found found any part of this useful, if you got some little nugget of information, share it, man. Share it. Sharing is caring. And as much as, you know what, normally I'm saying share this just for the sake of promoting it, I genuinely believe that we, and when I say we, I mean like 98% of the population, knows fuck all about finance compared to what we should know very true um so yeah i think um i'll I'll plan out another episode or two because i also there's a there's some other i can spend about half an hour talking just about um uh sorting out your credit score like what to know how to manage your credit score and stuff like that which is a fundamental piece of information especially for younger people
2: yeah
0: but yeah that being said let's do our throwbacks then
2: cool
1: i'm gonna be lazy again and my throwbacks are gonna be very obvious so my throwback song is gonna be it's all about the money by major m-e-j-a um that
0: one do you know that one it's all about the
1: Yeah. and my throwback film is going to be i did have it locked and loaded My throwback film is going to be Wall Street, Michael Caine, Charlie Sheen, no, sorry, Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, and Tom Cruise. So That's That's the the older one, yeah? That's the older one, yeah. Money
0: Never Sleeps, isn't that one?
1: That's the new one, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, with Shia LaBeouf. Okay. I'm going to go 50-50 now, yeah? Okay. I'm going to go 50 cent. I get money. I get money, money. Right. I get yeah. money, and obviously, get rich or die trying. Oh, okay,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I like that. I like that. That's what you done there. We're all
0: doing that these days. We're so,
1: all doing. That. What was that first song? I get money. If I can find the remix, um, I is a really remix know. on there. That's one. our New York. Yeah, tune. That's a good shout.
0: Cool. Cool. So you guys can find that if you search for
1: NGA Podcasts um, on Spotify. We have a Spotify playlist with all our throwback tunes. Cool. And if all you want right. to follow us, NGA Podcasts on um, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram's our main point of call um, and Twitter as well do follow us on Twitter yeah. if you
0: tweet do you know do you know what guys let's be real yeah I think Denny was giving me some analytics the other day we uh, it turns out a lot of people listening to this podcast but none of you motherfuckers follow us on Instagram yeah follow yeah. follow follow <laughs>
2: that
1: is
0: true um, that is true cool no, cool alright I'm Lewis I'm Denny and we're out
2: peace